Greetings, and good afternoon, everyone. This is Cheryl, and I'm so pleased to be here for Tara and Rama's Saturday afternoon program, The True Planetary and Galactic History Herstory and True History Herstory of Nasara. It is Saturday, April 30th, 2022, and um, we are celebrating our new moon here today. It was exact at 4.28 p.m. Eastern Time, and we are in the middle of our solar eclipse here. And so we have lots to celebrate here this weekend and this month, and I'll be sharing a bit about that, um, especially the information from Patricia Cota-Robles. But as we begin, let us begin with our service work and go into our heart center as we set the intention for this new moon to bring heaven to earth. So take a nice deep breath. Go into your sacred heart center, your sacred portal to all that is. And begin by calling in the full emergence and integration with your soul, with your higher self, with your monad, with your mighty I am presence. Again, take a nice deep breath as we call in all of our multidimensional being through to our God presence and goddess presence the maximum that we can experience and integrate at this most sacred and holy time. And see yourself in your mighty pillar of light, filled with a beautiful violet flame, the violet flame of St. Germain. We'll talk about why in just a second. So St. Germain is here with us. He's part of the team overlighting us. And as you bring in that violet flame through your pillar, anchor your pillar, see that it's always anchored directly to source and directly into the crystalline heart of Mother Gaia. So let us invite everyone to join us by saying the following. Please repeat after me. I am my I am presence. As my I am presence, I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. I am one with the I am presence of every man, woman, and child. I am one with all that is. And so we see everyone joining us as their mighty I am in their own pillar of light where they too have welcomed the violet flame assisting us from that higher spiritual level to go ahead and transmute all that needs to be transmuted in order to establish and fully manifest heaven on earth So take a nice deep breath. Mm. 
we invite in for one and all. As we say, I am my I am presence, and as my I am presence, I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. I am one with the I am presence of every man, woman, and child. I am one with all of my members and loved ones. I am one with all that is. So we invite in for one and all, all soul extensions, planetary and galactic, all of our ancestors, all of our genetic lineage, our ancestral lineage, all the generations past, all the generations forward, our spiritual lineage, our soul families, our soul pods. We invite in for everyone, all of our guides and teachers, our healing teams, our beloved guardian angel, our beloved twin flame, our essential council and mission council. We welcome all the kingdoms, the plant kingdom, the tree kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, the divi kingdom, the elemental kingdom, the fairy kingdom, all of the kingdoms of nature. The whales, the dolphins, the corns, and all magical kingdoms. We welcome all of the realms of the angels, from the angels and archangels through to the cherubim and seraphim and all angelic healing teams. We welcome at this time all of these the masters, the Brotherhood of Light, the Sisterhood of the Rays and Rose, the Order of Melchizedek, the Radiant Ones, all of the Enlightened Masters, all Divine Mother Emissaries, Divine Father Emissaries all of the theory and cosmic hierarchy of light and all ascended master healers and healing teams. We welcome the assistance, our friends from the Galactic Federation of Light, especially those we work most closely with, from Arcturus, from Pleiades, from Sirius, from Andromeda, from Chiron, from Venus. And we ask at this time for the assistance of all cosmic, galactic, universal healers that can be of service. The entire company of heaven calling forth Mother, Father, God to overlight all that we do and magnify, magnify, magnify it in divine order individually and collectively, the maximum that we can receive if we're expanding to perfection. And we welcome at this time all of the rays, all of the flames, all of the universal laws of ascension waves. And with every energy and frequency, every prayer and evocation, every blessing, every grace, every dispensation, every activation. We ask that it be received through every cell, chakra, meridian, layer of our auric field on a conscious, subconscious, superconscious level as well, both individually and collectively in divine order for ourselves and all that is. 
So we welcome at this time Gaia to receive the same. Through her chakras, brilliance and layers of her orc sealed multidimensionally. Through every ley line of song line. Every part of the grid system, the love grids, the light grids, the unity grids, all of the multidimensional grid system. Through every portal and vortex and monument and sacred site and place of power, every stargate, every city of light. As every place turns into a city of light, that we are fully a planet of light as we continue up the spiral of evolution, along with Mother Gaia at this most sacred and holy time, as she takes the rightful place as Freedom Star. So we call for to utilize the new moon energies and the Taurus solar eclipse in the highest ways. And we're going to continue to work with the Violet Flame as we listen to Patricia Cotto Rubble's message on the mystical month of May. Just see everyone and everything being transformed as we blaze the Violet Flame and as you listen to this message. Because it's not only a powerful message, It represents such a powerful time in our lives. She writes, significant changes have recently taken place within every person's earthly body due to the powerful influxes of light we have experienced since the beginning of 2022. Our I Am Presence has assisted each one of us in assimilating these changes at a cellular level. Now we are able to safely receive the incredible waves of light we will be blessed with throughout what the company of heaven refers to as the mystical month of May. So every May (laughs) is the mystical month of May. And that's because it contains so many, many powerful, and this is me speaking here. So it contains so many powerful dates here. Patty writes, in the heavenly realms, May is considered a mystical month because of all the special events that occur during May. I've been reading these for so long, I know exactly what I was going to say. These events involve divine intervention, outer world celebrations, and celestial gifts from on high. The Company of Heaven said that this year, following the monumental influx of the resurrection flame, that we have been receiving since the opening of the Equinox portal on March 20th and 21st. The opportunities we will be blessed with in May will affect us in positive ways more profoundly than ever before. So, May 1st, tomorrow. One of the things May 1st represents is Crosspoint, the belting, that sacred portal way between um, the winter equi- uh, the, the winter solstice 
and or the spring equinox and the um, summer solstice. So it, that in itself is a very powerful day. But this is one of my favorite reasons about May 1st that I love. May 1st is celebrated throughout the world as St. Germain's Ascension Day. And you guys know I have a really strong connection to St. Germain. And um, so we love celebrating St. Germain's Ascension Day, May 1st. St. Germain is known all throughout creation as the keeper of the violet flame. Every year on May 1st, St. Germain directs his legions, the violet flame archangels, to traverse the planet, just picture this, visualize it, traverse the planet north, south, east, and west, blazing in, through, and around every particle and wave of life, the most powerful frequencies of the violet that humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth are capable of receiving. This powerful gift is usually intensified for a 24-hour period. However, this year, because of the need of the hour, and the tremendous progress we have all made in our ability to assimilate higher frequencies of light, this sacred fire will build in momentum with every breath that we take for the entire month of May. In order to help us grasp the magnitude of just what this gift from on high means, our Mother, Father, God are reminding us that throughout the whole of creation, The violet flame is the most powerful tool available for transmuting negative energy back into light. So we truly have the ability to be an instrument of God during this cosmic moment. St. Germain has given us an evocation that will allow us to be the open door for this amazing gift of sacred fire. If this facet of the divine plan resonates in your heart of hearts, Please utilize this invocation throughout the month of May and beyond, following the guidance of your mighty I Am Presence. So many of you may know that I have offered classes on becoming the violet flame, hearing that frequency full time. And uh, so that's a possibility. Maybe we'll have to do that this month. But let's do the violet flame invocation as we keep blazing it in and around ourselves. We see everyone joining us as their I am presence doing the same. And we see it around the planet, permeating every cell, every molecule of air, molecule of water, molecule of soil, every chakra, every meridian, every energetic body for ourselves, for all humanity, for every aspect of life and for the planet. We'll say the violet flame invocation. <clears throat> I am my I am presence. And I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. As one voice, one breath, one heartbeat, and one energy, vibration, and consciousness of pure divine love. I invoke the most intensified frequencies of the violet flame that cosmic law will allow. Beloved Germain, and your legions of violet flame archangels, I ask to blaze this violet flame with the power and mind of a thousand suns in, through, and around 
every thought, feeling, word, action, memory, and belief that humanity has ever expressed in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown, that is reflecting anything less than our mother, father, God, love, and the oneness of all life. Transmute this energy, cause, core, effect, record, and memory back into its original perfection and seal it, invincible force field of God's comprehensive divine love. I accept and know that this activity of light is being God victoriously accomplished even as I call. And so it is. Beloved, I am. Beloved, I am. Beloved, I am that I am. And now we're going to hear about from Mother Mary. This is also considered Mary's month, the month of May, and of course contains our Mother's Day. Another wonderful thing that occurs during the month of May is that Mother Mary opens the doors of her temple of the Immaculate Heart in the inner plains for the entire month. She lovingly invites all of humanity to visit her in our finer bodies while we sleep at night. In order to take full advantage of this opportunity, all we have to do is ask our I Am Presence to take us to Mother Mary's Temple of the Immaculate Heart. When we go to sleep, then it will be done. Since we are one with all life, we have the ability to ask the I Am Presence of every person on Earth to do the same for them by simply affirming, I am my I Am Presence, and I am one with the I Am Presence of all humanity. What I ask for myself this night, I ask for every person on Earth in perfect alignment with his divine plan and the highest good for all concerned. Then, in the timeless, spaceless, fifth-dimensional frequencies of her temple of light, okay, sorry, Mother Mary, will communicate with each of us individually and all of us collectively to determine what assistance she might provide that will help us to fulfill our greatest need of the hour. Mother Mary has told us that her most important responsibility is holding the immaculate concept for each and every one of us to ultimately fulfill our divine potential as beloved sons and daughters of God. Due to the progress our I Am Presence has made this year in recalibrating our earthly bodies into higher frequencies 
of fifth dimensional crystalline solar light. Mother Mary said she is now able to assist in ways that she could not in the past. <coughs> Mother Mary's assistance this month will be unique for each of us individually, as well as what she is able to do for us collectively to raise as consciousness of humanity. Mother Mary is encouraging us to pay attention each morning to the thoughts and feelings we have upon awakening. She said it will help for us to ask our I am presence to bring back tangible memories of our experiences with her in her temple of the Immaculate Heart. So we'll be asking for full recall each and every night so that we might remember in the morning. (coughs) The other thing that May is about is acknowledging the Divine Feminine. So Patty writes, another event that adds greatly to the light of the world during the month of May is the celebration of Mother's Day which takes place in several countries around the world. Mother's Day in the USA and Canada will be May 8th this year, so it's only a week from tomorrow. In Mexico, Mother's Day is always on May 10th. And in France, Mother's Day will be celebrated on May 29th. Good, we get to spread it all throughout the month. So, beloved, this year, she writes, on every Mother's Day, celebrated throughout the world, our mother God (coughs) must be part of my transmutation process here. Hang on. (coughs) So this year on every Mother's Day celebrated throughout the world, our mother God and all of the feminine aspects of deity are going to be flooding the earth with the highest possible frequencies of God's comprehensive divine love. Remember, this is the highest divine love that we've ever been able to experience. The Company of Heaven said that this intensified of God's comprehensive divine love will enhance and greatly amplify the tangible results of violet flame that is bathing the earth for the entire month of May. (coughs) And I'm just going to add that most often in the month of May, although we have celebrated it as early as April um, around this time, (coughs) the full moon uh, under the sign of... uh, in the sun cycle of Taurus, the Scorpio full moon, actually. And that is considered the holiest time of the year, the we saw full moon. So we're just going to talk about the full moon eclipse. Plus, we have that eclipse make it even powerful, more powerful than normal, even though that's the most powerful day of the year normally. <clears throat> and the full moon eclipse and the golden Buddha of enlightenment All of the events in May will enhance the blessings humanity and the earth receive during another influx of light that blesses 
members during the month of May. This event is known as the Wesak Festival, which takes place during the full moon in the sun cycle of Taurus. This festival celebrates the enlightenment of Buddha and the unveiling of the golden Buddha of enlightenment, now pulsating in every person's mind. This year, the Wesak full moon will take place on the 15th and 16th. During that we will also be blessed with the powerful lunar eclipse. Just a side note here again. <clears throat> we are very, very blessed that we will be doing our ascension calls on so many of these um, holy days. So I'll talk about that a little bit later. But we are very, very blessed to be doing that powerful work at that time. Enlightenment is a level of consciousness that allows us to know the true meaning of Christ consciousness or unity consciousness, which the masses of humanity are beginning to realize expresses the very essence of the oneness of our Mother for God. The beings of light have revealed that this year, during the powerful full moon lunar eclipse of Wesak, we will each experience our I am presence and our body elemental a shift of energy, vibration, and consciousness that will begin revealing new and profound ways this sacred knowledge pulsating from the newly unveiled golden Buddha of enlightenment in every plane. <clears throat> we are being told that the first way this will begin to reveal itself to us is through a kinder and gentler way of perceiving even the most recalcitrant of our brothers and sisters in the family of divinity. When we recognize truth in the divinity of all life, we open our hearts and minds and experience ways of thinking and feeling that are infused with divine love, oneness, reverence for all life. <clears throat> I think we should put that down for our individual and our collective new moon intentions. That everyone is experiencing new ways of thinking and feeling infused with divine love, oneness, and reverence for all life. Patty closes by saying, this in turn lifts us into a higher level of unity consciousness, which allows clearly perceived viable solutions for all of the maladies still surfacing around the world to be healed and Treated back into light. <clears throat> then the truth becomes blatantly obvious. We are one. And only cooperation and reverence for all life will the problems of the day be solved. With this enlightenment, we will realize with great clarity that indeed we are the ones we have been waiting for. God bless you, Trisha Cordova, from Era of Peace. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you to continue working with the violet flame. Make sure that you make a note. I would even ask tonight, because it'll be overnight, May 1st to go ahead and work with Mother Mary 
in her temple of the Immaculate Heart. The flame of the Immaculate Concept is the white and blue flame. So you can work with that as well. We'll be doing a lot of this work <clears throat> and specific exercises with Mary, with St. Germain, with Lord Buddha, all through the month of May on the Ascension Call. We have so much offered to us this month. It's up to us to utilize them to make it a part of our daily practice to really radiate the Christ consciousness, the Buddha consciousness in every way, <laughs> every situation. Through us radiating out into the world. So I ask you to join me in that intention here this month. So see the transformation taking place. All in that resurrection time as well, that mother of pearl. Transmuting anything less than perfection into the gold of Christ consciousness, the gold of eternal peace, the gold of infinite abundance, the yellow gold of wisdom, enlightenment, and illumination. So as the hours, days, and weeks go by, do your best hold the focus on the creation of heaven on earth. Going into negative thoughts, catch yourself and return your focus to what you want to create. Creating perfection for all life creating that love, oneness, and reverence for all life. So with that, I invite you to join us every Sunday and Monday. Again, it's going to be a, such a powerful month. <coughs> I really feel like the, <laughs> I really feel the energy is getting higher and higher. And our calls will be exceptionally high and and um, powerful this month. So the Ascension Meditation and Activation Calls take place every Sunday and Monday. We begin at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific Time. And we start with about 25 minutes of greeting. Tara and Rama, come on and give us a brief update. Then at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 time, we are in our meditation. We are doing our work. <clears throat> the, the bridge to heaven on earth, the anchor for the new golden age, and the open door that no one can shut. We have, this is a teleconference call. <clears throat> Let me make sure you have the right number. It's area code 425-436-626 from area code 
646-7440. The code is 946-7441-POUND. 9674411. Keep in mind that we are entering Mercury retrograde on the 10th specifically. So if you have to redial, again, please be patient. (laughs) I know that I've been having to dial and redial in myself. So if you need, there's additional numbers. To get in, it's a long list of numbers actually. There's um, international numbers. There's a way to get on through the internet, <coughs> even an even an app or freeconference.com. And so, I really encourage you to join us and be part of the family of light that is bringing the solutions to the world bringing, anchoring heaven on earth, supporting ourselves and all humanity to make these changes that are taking place, whether they're conscious or unconscious to people, they are taking place. (coughs) And it's up to us to use the tools that we have to make this the most powerful transformation for ourselves and the planet and all upon her. So you need that list of extra numbers extra information, contact contacting by me by email at Cheryl Croci, C A T R Y L C R O C I at AOL dot com. So Cheryl Croci at AOL dot com. <coughs> and I will put my vocal cords in our circle of support. And um and I'll see you very, very soon. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll be celebrating, like I said, St. Germain's Ascension Day. We'll have, we are complete with our eclipse updates. I sent everything out. Um, I will send Patty's message out, everyone, my list. If you want that and you're not on the list, you want to be on the list, just contact me at Chochi at AOL.com. They'll send you. In addition to the list of numbers, we'll send you Aunt Patty's message on the mystical month of May. And um, we'll have May updates from a number of people. Uh, again, it's going to be such a powerful uh, <laughs> time and uh, jam-packed calls, I'm sure. So with love and gratitude, I <clears throat> send you infinite blessings during this um, most sacred and holy month and um, infinite new moon blessings. It's a good time to do your abundance work and make sure that you have set your new moon intentions as well. So with love and gratitude, I thank each of you for your divine service here today. We want to thank Tara and Rama for their divine service. I wish you infinite abundance. I wish them infinite abundance as well. And also to my dear sister Rainbird, Infinite blessings, Rainbird, and uh, thank you for your service. I love you all, and um, we'll see you tomorrow evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful eclipse new moon night. With that, I'll pass the talking stick filled with the mother of pearl, the violet flame, and again, every blessing we could ever imagine. May our every need 
be fulfilled before we even think it. With that, I pass the talking stick, Rainbird. Gratitude and thanks. Thank you, Cheryl. I'll take that talking stick. And thank you for your divine service as well. And have a blessed evening, whatever you're doing tonight. It's awesome. We're welcoming in Beltane tonight. And, um, yeah, I follow with a blessing with that. So let's talk to, about housekeeping as that's what I'm here for, to do the housekeeping. We, as we are a listener-supported radio program, um, it takes all of us to make it happen. <laughs> so we're working with CBS at $300 each week, and right now we'll be fine um, from last week and the week before, so we need $460 for this week, and then there'll be more next week. So let's uh, make that a little bit of a priority so we can catch up a bit. Thank you for that. Here's how we do it. We go into our heart space and see what is ours to give. And then go to bbsradio.com. Click on Radio Station 2 or scroll down and you'll find a menu for Radio Station 2. You're looking for the menu. You want to look for the programs listing on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for our program. So on Thursdays is a night at the round table. And that's with the panel. So you can click on that icon there, and that will take you directly to our account there. Uh, so you can make that um, that gift through your bank card, and it'll, it'll take any bank card. So that's a good way to go. So thank you for that. And then on Friday night at the 6 o'clock hour, and these are all Pacific times. So uh, it's at the... Yeah, six o'clock hour. The hard news with Tara and Rama with on Friday night, and so you can click on that icon there. That'll take you to the Rainbow Roundtable account, and you can make a donation there. Uh, and the same is with the one thirty hour on Saturday. The True History Hershey and the Sarah Galactic Origins with Tara and Rama. You can click on that icon, and that'll also take you to our account. So thank you for taking that action. Just go ahead and donate to all three. <laughs> it's all the same, but lots of gratitude. Thank you for participating, and thank you for being here. So we're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs, and this week they need $400 to cover the bills they have due this week. Um, and then, of course, they need money for... Uh, living expenses, food and housing, and not food, not housing. They got that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, but food and gas and all the things that it takes to uh, try to a pride of cats that they have, plus the bunny. But the bunny was pretty sure it's a cat, so we'll just call it a private <laughs> a pride of cats. Anyway, it takes it takes money to do that, and and it takes money to live. So. Thank you for um, making donations for that to happen for the, for them in a good way. Um, here's how we make a donation to Tara and Rama. You want to go to the web address, which is rainbowroundtable.net. And then as you're on the home page, you click on that menu grid at the top left, and you'll see a whole listing of what's on that website. And near the bottom, you see a donate button. 
or links that that will link you to Rama's PayPal account. So as you do that, then you make a donation in any amount using a bank card. And thank you for taking that action and and paying it forward like that. Uh, if you have your own PayPal account, you can access um, Rama's PayPal for friends at his email at PayPal. And that email address for accessing the friends option is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. And I'll give that again, Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. And there you go. Either way is perfect. It just limits the commercial charges and makes your money go further. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you for taking that action and, and supporting this, these programs in that way. Oh, I'm supporting Tara and Rama that way. Here we are. We're working with <laughs> Yeah, and as you're sending something to Tara and Rama, please send them a note to Rama's email and let them know that you sent something and when you sent it and how much. And that email address for Rama is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 99939 at comcast.net. And then as you need it, the physical address, it is as follows, Ram D. Berkowitz. R-A-M-D, Berkowitz, D-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, and that's Post Office Box 280-280, and the post office is located in Santa Cruz, New Mexico. So that zip code for Santa Cruz, New Mexico is 87567. 87567. So there you go. That's all of it. And we're grateful. We're grateful for all your contributions and all the ways that you show up in your life. And um, also, we have the uh, addresses for joining the Free Mart program, and that's Shop Free Mart. So the address is https colon forward slash forward slash www.shop three four other words, dot com forward slash T-A-R-R-A-M. And that's the, the address you want to use if you want to join Shop Free Mart. And um, that username is the T-A-R-R-A-M, and the account number is 7000. So you know things your name's all about. It's got that number seven there. And then also, as you want to participate with the new joy, new gen coin, it's a cryptocurrency and it's um, actually originated with Shop Free Mart and, uh, and then, then is um, being done with uh, Basel. I can't remember his last name, but he's a Iranian fellow living in Canada and he's partnered with Free Mart. So, this address is HTTPS, and this is for joining Fremart um, under Tar and Rama's site. Okay, so it's HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www dot newgencoin and 
facebook.com forward slash T-A-R-R-A-M. And um, what we're doing also is filling out the matrix and making it work a little better for everybody and and especially Marshall. So you can sign up under Marshall as well and and help build his his income. So um, it is HTTPS for joining under Marshall is right, com forward slash M-A-R-N-O-R. And so that's M as in Mary A-R, N as in Nancy O-R. And so that's Marshall's site, and as you join up under him, he's then your sponsor and will assist you with anything you need there. And then as you wish to join up and work on the rest of the matrix that's there underneath Marshall, <laughs> you can join under Rainbird, and that address is HTTPS, colon, forward slash, forward slash, www.newgencoin.com. Dot com forward slash C-A-R-J-O-N is the username on that. And there I will be your sponsor and help you with everything that you need. And I'm also the sponsor for... Rainbow. Um, yeah. It's T-A-R-R-A-M. Rainbird? Okay. I, did I not say it was T-A-R-R-A-M? No, you said R-O-N. Oh, no, I was just giving the Rainbird site. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. My bad. Sorry. God, go on. Go back to your seat and pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, um, there, there are two people who, as we are are sponsoring Tara and Rama's the Rainbow Roundtable site. If Micah Green is one person that you can call for assistance and is also me that we can call for assistance. So I will give you uh, my email address and I don't have Micah's in front of me. Oh, it's the, Al- the Green Alchemist. Yes, okay. But I can't remember what his, his server is. I'll, so I'll just give that to you later. So my email to contact me if you need assistance with the 2013 Rainbow Roundtable account is lightenergync at gmail.com. And that's spelled L-I-G-H-T-E-N-E-R-G-Y. And then NC as in North Carolina. And that's at gmail.com. And just... um if you put New Jan in the in the subject line or Matrix in the subject line, I'll I'll, I'll be opening that and be, I can get back in touch with you with your phone number, especially if you say please send me your phone number, um, and we can work by phone. I'd rather work by phone. I I don't have a computer to type on, and I, I have big fat fingers. So now <laughs> for working with the Matrix and in helping people get somebody under them and making sure that everybody knows what they're doing and just that kind of stuff. Um, you can call me at 
Um, I mean, you can email me at that address, lightenergync at gmail.com. And that would, um, as you join under me as a sponsor, then you'd be just filling out the other matrix, other part of the matrix that's under Marshall. So that's just, um, you know, what, however you're inspired is perfect. We're grateful for you to be involved and for you to be able to realize that financial stability that can come using this cryptocurrency and also be being getting ready for the Nassar funds to show up and how how we want to handle that. So it's all in divine order and we're grateful to Marshall for sending in this both of these programs and we're grateful for all of you for participating. And I would like to finish tonight before I pass out talking talking stick <laughs> the talking stick um, because this is April the 30th and there's a little Beltane ceremony you do on April the 30th to welcome in the new season of Beltane the summer month which lasts until July the 31st so this is the threshold invitation for the festival of Beltane uh, and to be said at the front door of the house on the eve of Delpain, the 30th of April, in the evening. Maiden of flowers, open the door. Smith of souls, come you in. Let there be welcome to the growing strength. Let there be welcome to the summer of the year. In bud and blossom, you are traveling. In fruit and fragrance, you will arrive. May the blessed time of Delpain inflame the soul of all beings bringing energy and effort to conflagration. From the depths to the heights, from the heights to the depths, in the core of every soul. So, <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> Blessed be. And I'm <laughs> passing this beautiful maypole talking stick. And so there's streamers everywhere and lots of dancing and lots of music. So everyone's, everyone's got a flute and, <laughs> and, or a whistle, a petty whistle and, uh, lots of, lots of singing and dancing around that pole as those ribbons make their way and wrap it and tons of fairies and feathers and all the little people. All the elementals are there, and all the little people, the gnomes, the menahooties, and the dwarfs, and the elves, and all the, the the elemental kingdom are showing up tonight. And so, greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes his talking stick. Greetings. Greetings. Greetings to all of us and to all the Elven Kingdom and the uh Fairy Kingdom and uh uh what other kingdoms we got here? All the nine realms and then some. There you <laughs> go. I think that covers it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's so powerful to have this um partial solar eclipse at the same time. And so I think between Sister Cheryl and Rainbird, we have quite a thorough coverage of this. And now we're going to go 
and just get started right away, right, Rama? Yeah. And so we're going to um, tell everybody, Rama, what you got there. Oh, this is Meg Benedict's um, meditation for Beltane Solar Eclipse Gateway. And is there a little more on the underneath part? Um, not really, no. Okay, so here we go. Let's get started. This is an hour and a half, everybody. Hour and 14. Oh, okay. Thank you. There we go. Love Talk Radio. Having trouble keeping up with the accelerated life all things changes occurring on the planet? Reporting to you from the new Earth, the newly forming world reality of vibrant health and well-being, united community, and personal evolution. Tune in to learn how to update your internal coding and biocircuitry to the rapidly shifting consciousness so that you too can become a divine human. New Central is the brainchild of Meg Benedicti, a pioneer in quantum vortex healing and energetic activation, weaving together ancient spiritual knowledge, quantum physics, and vibrational healing. Every show is dedicated to promoting a holistic lifestyle that supports all life on the planet. Additional services are available at our website, NewEarthCentral.com. And now, here is your host, Meg Benedicti. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Oh, my goodness, we're in for a treat here today. So happy to have you join us, and we'll give everybody a minute to get on to the webcast. And let me bring on my beautiful co-host, Manette Mays. Welcome, Manette. Hey there, everyone. Hi, Meg. I'm so (laughs) super happy to be here today. I hope everybody filling up on that angelic energy that we're going to try to generate today. Oh, we are just oh in for a treat. I can't I can't believe these energies. So, you know, it's an eclipse day, and eclipses can be rather surprising. We never quite know what they're going to bring, but today's eclipse is really beautiful. It's a very positive eclipse. We have the Venus Jupiter connection happening within this gateway. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get started. But I say just come in. Get yourself comfortable, open, and receive these blessings today. This is just this is like a big love fest we're going to have here as we come together. Mm-hmm. Oh, just lovely. And as Manette and I were connecting right before the show began, we just felt this big infusion of our angel family here with us, supporting us, loving us. So oh, I think we all need a bit of some um angelic love right now and especially if you've been struggling so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lay it on thick here today okay uh-huh. uh, so okay well let's go ahead and uh, walk through the format of the show for those who are new who are joining us we want to welcome you um, it's uh, kind of broken up in a couple uh, sections so first I'll just do a quick review of the energies we're working with today, and then we'll shift gears and start going into the uh, setup of the quantum vortex, working with Archangel Metatron, getting everything uh, up and running. And we'll go through the activations. We work on the personal 
activations and healings, clearings, all that we're going to do here today first. So personal first, and we will pause for silence about three, four minutes. So everyone will have a chance to uh, put their intentions into the powerful force field. Okay, so we'll have time for personal intentions, and then we'll shift and focus on doing our planetary activations because this is why we're here. <laughs> this is our this is our purpose here. Right, so so then we'll do more of our new Earth activations, working with Gaia and the field, and this is our this is a chance for all of us to you know kind of step into our soul gifts and use the power of our uh, our visions, our hearts, desires, and help influence the global field and help birth alive this new paradigm, this new Earth operating system. So once we get through doing those together. We open it up for you to contribute your global intentions, and we'll do it two ways. One, you can, especially for all of us who are coming in through the webcast, especially our, our, our international uh, light workers. Manette will be handling that, so let, let let them know how they can reach you. Sure, if you have a global intention, a heartfelt wish for the world, please email to support at newearthcentral.com. Support at newearthcentral.com. I also have the chat room available to me if you have a short um, intention that you would like to add, but it's best to email them over to me. Yeah. And we look forward to hearing your heart's desire. Yes, yes. And every time we add your intention into the field, it just gets stronger and stronger. Um, you also can call in, especially for those of us who are here in U.S., Canada, you can call in uh, to the uh, studio and dial one. That lets me know to bring you on the air and you can proclaim your global intention. Okay. All right, Manette. So I'm going to get started here. So I will connect with you soon. Okay. Okay. So if you're new to this type of uh, uh, work, because it's, it's, this is Metatron's uh, modality that he passed to me. Um, I've been doing it for 30 years, and then I'm sharing it with you. So part of the, the kind of some tips for success here. One, we are working more with our right brain, not our thinking left brain. So using the right brain, this is your psychic brain, your intuitive brain. This is what you use to visualize and imagine. So if you find as we're going along, we're, uh, I'm going to just um, call out what to visualize. If you find you're starting to go back over to that left brain thinking mind, you know, worrying about what you got to do later or, or anything like that, just stop when you catch it and shift back more into your intuitive, psychic right brain. Because that's the power of the brain, kind of that mind-matter connection is we use the right brain to do that and our third eye. We're using both. Okay, first tip. Now, second tip is we are going to open up the quantum vortex around each and every one of you. You're all going to be in your own private vortex in your own uh, energy field. There's no blending or merging happening, even as we're working as a group. I'm very conscious of boundaries. So holding the vortex spinning anticlockwise, it's in the natural rhythm of the phi, P-H-I, the phi spiral, which is anticlockwise. And it's going to be spinning around you and working with you. It, uh, this quantum vortex, Metatron has designed it to, to specifically help us balance and ground more of our soul divinity into the body. So we use the power momentum of the vortex to do an inflow 
down our chalk column. It's a vertical inflow, and then we do an outflow horizontally as we either release and clear energies or as we are radiating more of our intentions and our love and um, our soul light radiance. Okay, so inflow, outflow. We're getting, getting practice here, working with our right brain psychic mind and working with the toroidal spin momentum of inflow outflow we're also going to be grounding into the earth plane into the crystal grid so have your feet on the floor as we get started you can either sit with your feet on the floor or stand and then once we have the vortex up and running you're welcome to lie back because you've now connected and it's running okay let's go ahead and get started oh i'm so excited this is such powerful stargate energies today this is the solar eclipse. It's the first eclipse of 2022. It's occurring at 10 degrees Taurus conjunct Uranus. Uranus is also in Taurus. So this is where we're getting that Uranus infusion also. And all the eclipses this year are happening on the Taurus-Scorpio nodal axis. And this is contributing to personal and planetary ascension. So it's perfect for what we're doing here today. It's helping us find more balance and integration between the physical and meta metaphysical realms, that's exactly what we're doing. We're, we're getting into unity consciousness, starting to merge the two realms, physical and spiritual. Also, today's new moon solar eclipse blueprint initiates more hope and optimism. Um, Uranus is supercharging this eclipse, so we can expect sudden shifts and surprises, as I mentioned. But also, Uranus's energy is accelerated, electric, spontaneous. So kind of be ready for what the universe is bringing to us. And also just a couple half hours ago, we just had a really powerful X flare of plasma solar activity. Okay, that's heightening the energy that's coming in today. So a lot in the mix right now. Now, while the Stargate is open, we're also being blessed by the cosmic Venus and Jupiter conjunction in Pisces. Same day pretty phenomenal i mean there's there's the universe has a plan here it's a very positive addition to this uh eclipse gateway because when beautiful venus meets benevolent jupiter during the eclipse we are literally being touched by heaven spreading love and good luck fortune uh, within our own lives and into the planetary field so keep that in mind as we're working we're going to really focus on that today in the activations and we're also connecting with all the solar eclipse global meditations on beltane eve tomorrow's beltane so connecting with all the global meditations that are happening all around the world in union with our family of light okay with that in mind let's go ahead and get started so we're going to walk through the steps with metatron to get the vortex up and running okay so let's just Ah, take a couple deep breaths, just coming down from that thinking mind, getting more into the body, ah, breathing into your feeling center, into the heart and the breath, into you're really getting present in the core of your body. And as we start to get centered, running the chi down the leg channels to the feet chakras, and imagining your feet chakras are operating like magnets and just locking right onto the crystalline grid of our new Earth timeline. You can also envision roots of light coming out of your feet chakras 
and connecting into the crystalline grid of our new earth. This is our new home base, so we're grounding into it every day. All right, excellent. And now let's bring in spirit. So from the heart, we connect to divine mother, father, source, creator, the divine I am monad. Connecting to your master soul presence and your soul family and home star, be it in this galaxy or out in the multiverse. And then bringing in your spirit team of angels and guides and master teachers and the shamans, the elders, the wise ones, your protectors, have them all be present with you, circling around you as we're doing the activations today. Ah, yes, lots of help from spirit. And we're also connecting to Gaia and Mother Nature. This Taurus eclipse is their day, connecting to the nature spirits, the devas, the fairies, the elementals of air, fire, water, earth, and ether. So we can do the alchemy with nature and with Archangel Metatron, who is here supporting all of us. He's embedding Metatron's cube sacred geometry under our feet into our grounding on the crystal grid. And it's made up of 12 circles, six outer circles, six inner circles, and then a center 13 circles. So go ahead and imagine you're stepping into the center and you're giving it your light, you're giving it your life force, you're turning it on. And Metatron's cube portal starts to open and activate and those 12 circles begin to rise up and around the body and the aura as pillars of light. These are like tuning forks, they're harmonic tones emanating out of the pillars and we begin to hear those celestial tones as the sacred sound of om and you can om out loud you can om inside your core and those pillars begin to rotate if you're looking from your head down to your feet they're going to start to rotate right to left and a counterclockwise spin this is called the fee spiral. There we go. Starting to get it spin and accelerate. And those pillars begin to blend and merge and unify as they go faster and faster into the quantum vortex of diamond light. And there we go. Spinning up. Faster momentum. And as this increases in spin, it begins to open and expand your field up and out into the higher dimension. Let it open. You've got your feet onto the grid. You're expanding out. You're still staying in your body. But we're opening to the multiverse, opening all the way out. And then as the vortex spins up even faster towards the speed of light, it begins to unlock the veils, the time barriers, time density, opening your field all the way out to the quantum level. Ooh, let that go all the way out, ripples out. Ooh. And it begins to open you up to both the physical particle field and the spiritual wave state simultaneously. Ah, that's it, good. And we're in, and that lets us now turn inwards and connect inside to our light body, our energy body, your chakra column. Vortex will continue to spin. And as we're starting to focus into our, this is your internal chakra column, that's your channel 
of Kundalini Life Force, of your soul light. So let's now bring up another more tighter feast spiral coming up from Metatron's cube at the feet to the root chakra. Again, anti-clockwise starting to spiral up your chakra channel, helping to clear out density and trauma, memory. You're clearing out emotions out of the chakras. And as you spiral upward, you're opening and clearing your chakra channel directly all the way up to the top to your higher self. All the way up. Spiral up. Use your breath to move your energy in and out, up and down. All right, excellent. As we get up into the higher chakras, higher dimensions, higher realms, let's connect to our beloved higher self. Your higher self is your gatekeeper to your beloved divine soul presence, your soul essence. So opening the 12th gate up to your soul Connecting to your soul energy, your soul is made of light and sound, so connecting to your soul signature light and your sound waves, your tones, your frequencies, these are unique to your soul. There we go, connecting to soul light and soul frequencies, and now we're going to reverse and come back down the channel, the channel, you opened your channel, so now you're an open receiver, just inhale in, soul light. Soul vibration, soul frequencies coming down the crown and filling into all the chakras in the body. Just breathe in, inhale in, open, receive, soul light, essence, soul consciousness, soul presence into all the chakras in the body, all the way down to the lower human chakras, down to the root pelvic floor. Like your soul is dropping in, sitting into the hips, root pelvic floor. All right, excellent. This is Ascension uh, Protocols to merge with your divine soul presence, your soul light, your soul vibration. Let's go focus now to the heart center. And in the heart is the heart crystal. And the heart crystal is the main engine that runs your Merkaba Taurus. So let's Bring a nice stream of soul light, soul frequencies into the heart crystal. Crystals amplify, intensify. So there you go. Building more soul light power in your heart crystal. And then all the facets of the crystal begin to radiate outwards horizontally. Your soul light radiance, just like a big starburst. Ooh, there we go. Big blast of soul radiance from the heart. Excellent. This is what runs your light body. This is what builds a powerful force field around you. It's your soul light radiance. This is what up levels you into higher frequencies. Your own soul light radiance in the heart crystal. Okay, we're going to let that keep building, amplifying. Now let's go to uh, using the infinity of light to set up zero-point coherence. To do this, we're going to run the first infinity of light left, right, horizontally at the heart center. It's kind of like the heart and the body right there. And then we'll run the second infinity around the left, right brain and the mind. Okay, and as the infinities are looping back and forth, they're starting to balance all the different energies inside us, 
you know, heart and mind, human and soul, light and shadow. You're just letting everything start to balance and harmony. Infinities are looping in the body, heart, mind. We're now also, let's go focus into the cross point in the center of the infinities. And as we attune into the center, we start to connect to what's called zero point coherence. It's all zero gravity, zero time, zero polarity. It's all in the stillness of the now in the center of your infinities. There we go. Everyone just let that spread through you, rippling through the body and the aura. Perfect stillness in the now. It's just like waves rippling out through you, reverberating through you. And it begins to start to bring all the biosystems into zero-point coherence. And it also is starting to unite the heart and mind into more zero-point coherence. We're building back that mind-matter connection. Ooh, there it goes. Beautiful. And then it also naturally starts to repel outwards anything that's not in coherence. And we're working our way down the layers. This is like the top layers coming off your field, out of the body. All right, so we're going to do our first clearing using the vortex spin momentum to lift up and out all non-coherent energies coming up off the physical body, emotional body, mental body. The vortex spins it up into source light to transmute to light. Woo, we go, letting it release out. So you're just kind of giving your body permission to relax, surrender, and let go of what's complete and done and releasing. Oh, there goes a good lift. And it might feel heavy coming off you. It's fine. Just letting it lift. And you don't control it. It's just the vortex is doing its thing. It's doing its magic. It's lifting out these heavier top layers. There's another layer out. And this could be coming up from this life. It could be coming up from past life. We just let it all complete and release into transmutation light. And every layer we lift, we get lighter. We get lighter. We get higher frequency. Good. All right. Now, we're starting to pulse in that nice, calm inner zero point. The vortex also acts like a time machine. It can spin back into time and into the future. So now that we've got the vortex spinning, we're grounded and we're in our bodies. You can relax if you like. And we're going to stay in our bodies. We're going to use that right brain super consciousness to travel the galaxy. We're going to take a trip to the galactic center, the great central sun. And so staying grounded, present in your body, allowing your super consciousness to follow along. Okay, using the vortex, we're going to spin back through time thousands and thousands of years ago. Going all the way back to the original Zep Tepe civilization in Egypt. And this was definitely a starseed civilization from many star systems. Okay, dropping in. And it's in its glory, magnificence. It's prior to the fallen consciousness. So it's quite powerful and vibrant and illuminated. And we're going to now go step into... The Pyramid of Giza, which is a very strong golden ratio frequency generator. So as we step into the ground floor of the Pyramid of Giza, let's all gather there. Again, grounding onto the warm stones under your feet. 
into Zeptepi, Egypt. Okay, here we go, everyone gathering. We are going to we are going to travel together. Now you're still in your vortex and you're still in your anticlockwise spin, and you're now standing in a golden ratio pyramid. So it's starting to propel the spin momentum of your vortex to rise higher and higher. We're going all the way up to the capstone of the pyramid into the golden ratio. Eye of Horus, all the way up, 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 go up. <laughs> Ooh, spiraling up. You're taking your super consciousness up to the pivotal point at the top of the pyramid. And it's here that we gather and start to connect with our escorts, Archangel Metatron and Archangel Michael. <clears throat> Go ahead and connect. I kind of lock arms on either side, one on each side. Our angelic escorts who are going to take us to the great central sun the galactic center. Okay, everybody getting ready? Now you're still in your fee spiral. And so as we begin to command to open a spiraling wormhole, your fee spiral opens it up, a portal, and taking us directly to the galactic center at the speed of light or faster. Allow yourself to be transported to the great central sun, to the galactic center of the Milky Way, and we begin to connect to that massive spiraling vortex that is spinning in the galactic center. And we begin to enter it, and it is connected to a parallel crystalline spinning vortex that opens out to the multiverse, and so we're starting to move in to the portal to the multiverse. So as we step in, imagine our spiraling black hole funnel connects where the funnels meet to the parallel crystalline white hole funnel. We're going to go right where the two vortices funnels meet. And as we go in deeper in and step into that space, we're stepping into the zero point field of our galaxy. So this is, some people think, you know, you know, zero point is a void, but it's not. It's actually a very vibrant, pulsing field of virtual electrons. So imagine you're stepping into a shimmering kind of champagne bubble, vibrant golden light field of potential electrons. So they like rise up out of the field and, and then kind of slide back in, popping all around you. There we go. Okay, we're getting into it. Very alive. This is pure potential, creative source force. This is what we're stepping into. And this is why we come here to do all our intentions, getting into this infinite field of source force, source energy. Okay, everyone's in. And as we connect and, and stabilize here, a brilliant shimmering crystal stargate rises up out of the zero point field in front of us. Oh, unless I'll step inside it, for this is the source stargate. So as we move in, standing inside it, begin to open and just allow 
the divine presence, the source energy to flow and infuse your entire being. Breathe it in. Inhale in. Allow it to flow into you, to nourish you and bless you and strengthen you. To heal you. To cleanse through the field. Sources crystal and diamond lights washing through you. Breathe it in to every particle of your being. We're purifying our energy. We're clearing and releasing our history of Gaia. We're starting to move into the timeless now, becoming galactic beings again. And as we move through this profound shift, connecting to our divinity, we proclaim to the universe that we are sovereign beings. We're reclaiming our our sacred vessel. We're reclaiming our freedom. We're reclaiming our divinity. And in your heart and mind, proclaim out to the universe, I am all that I am. I am all that I am. And it reverberates out and it spirals back to you, receiving back in this truth of who you are, acknowledged by the multiverse, by the divine. And as we stand in this source field, this portal to the multiverse, Let's now step into today's solar eclipse gateway. It's open, it's active, step into it and start to receive, just inhale in, receive in the cosmic blessings today in the eclipse gateway. Breathe it in, inhale in, soak it in. We're breathing in the powerful ascension waves. Breathe it into your heart center, into your field. Opening and receiving the activations of divine light into your multidimensional crystalline light body. Oh, open, expand, and fill with today's eclipses, divine love, compassion, and joy. Keep breathing it in. Breathe in these eclipse blessings. Fill your body, heart, and mind. Angelic blessings filling inside you. Today is like a heaven on earth day. You have chosen the new earth as your destination. You all are new earth activators. Allowing that to activate more in your soul blueprint, in your light body, your new earth activators. We're like the birth doulas of the new earth. And a new moon eclipse represents the closing of one cycle and the beginning of a new one. New, a new one. That's what we're going to work on today. The closing of one cycle, one paradigm, one system and beginning the new one. It's also uh, the new moon eclipse is a day of inspiring hope and renewal, setting your intentions, your manifestations, and this new, more expanded perspective. And these eclipses this year are happening on the Taurus-Scorpio axis. 
and they're assisting your transition from this old system to the new operating system. These are ascension-infused eclipses. We're going to really benefit from working with them this year. So as we're standing in the solar eclipse gateway, envision you are ascending out of the lower Earth density field of control and chaos. You are rising higher and higher into the 5D field of love and connection of unity consciousness. And you're just kind of letting the lower, denser energies just drop off you and spin back to source light. And in our hearts and our minds, we cancel and revoke all agreements and vows and contracts to participate in the old earth top-down power system now. Cancel, revoke it now. Through all your timelines, past, present, and future. And with the power of your intentions today as you're in the quantum vortex and we're standing in this powerful eclipse gateway, extract and pull your energy, your power, your light, and your life force away from the old corrupted power system. In this system, the top few take the power and energy from the lower masses. So unlock and pull away from that dark parasitic system. Stepping back away from it, imagine you are stepping back away from that dark matrix web of lower earth density and disconnection, pulling your energy out of it. Okay, everyone's doing great. Backing away from it, pulling your power, your energy from the corrupted system. And as we do this, it weakens and breaks apart and dies out. Because we're no longer empowering it. We're stepping away from it. And so during today's turbocharged eclipse, envision shifting your energy, your light, your power into the new circular operating system of collaboration, equality, harmony, and circulation of resources. So we pull out of the old one, we shift out of it, and we begin to ground and anchor our our own soul power, our energy, our light, our life force into this new Earth circular operating system. <sighs> okay, everybody's shifting. <sighs> and reclaim your soul power, energy, light, and life force to merge within you as you join the circle of community in the New Earth timeline. Oh, that's a good shift. You guys are doing great. We are birthing alive a new living system for all life on the planet in balance and harmony and unity consciousness. Big shift we're doing. We're extracting all our energy out of the old system and infusing and igniting within us in our chakra column in our aura onto the new earth timeline and the new circle of community. Okay, good. It's getting stronger. Spinning very fast, actually. Your vortex is helping you, assisting you. And this Taurus solar eclipse, it supports the cosmic ascension by spiraling inwards and down into the denser physical plane. So this is affecting your body. It's transforming cellular codes. So as you're 
shifting into the new earth circular operating system of community, of collaboration, of unity consciousness. You're also grounding it into your own body. This is why we're having so many changes happening, literally, physically, in our bodies. And so even these solar flares that have been coming in from the great central sun, they're illuminating and activating the embedded crystalline codes in your soul's light body blueprint. Breathe that in. Breathe in the shimmering diamond light, the galactic plasma waves flowing into your body, into your chakras, igniting your soul's crystal codes of ascension inside you. Okay, big ignition. Just let that ripple through you. Igniting your soul's crystal codes of ascension within your own light body, within your chakras, within your soul blueprint. Oh, it's getting stronger. Activating, lighting up, energizing, and this Taurus eclipse enables you to make it physical, earthbound, grounded, active in your cells. Spinning in, just grounding in, making it physical for you. Beautiful. You're doing great. So we're receiving in these activations, and then while we're standing in today's solar eclipse gateway, this beautiful blessing that's coming in, let's focus on today's amazing Venus and Jupiter alignment conjunction in Pisces. So when beautiful Venus meets benevolent Jupiter, we are being touched by heaven. So this Venus conjunct Jupiter sends love and lucky good fortune to all life on the planet. So breathe that in. Breathe in these beautiful blessings. Open your heart, your body to receive the inflow of benevolent love, abundance, and sweetness into your entire being. Oh, breathe in the blessings deeply inside you. Call in all that you need to support your ascension life and joy and happiness and health and prosperity. Breathe it in. Venus and Jupiter are blessing us today while we're in the eclipse gateway. Oh, here comes more. Beautiful inflow coming down your chakra column and filling you inside. This is the inflow coming in. And while you soak in the Venus-Jupiter eclipse blessings, imagine for a minute what would make you happy. What if a life of happiness is truly possible? Imagine that. Right brain of yours, using your psychic mind, you're you're visioning. Imagine what kind of person you want to be and what kind of life you want to live going forward in this new Earth timeline, in your ascension life. Imagine you're seeing your life in a different light, in a more beautiful light, joy-filled light, open to all the possibilities. 
in the positive Taurus eclipse upgrades. Inflow into your personal resources, finances, your values, and how you value yourself and others. Really embrace this abundance that's flowing in today and all these areas in your life to open and expand and manifest how you want your life to live going forward. Getting stronger. Powering up. You're birthing your new earth lives right now. It's getting stronger. And as you're standing in this powerful eclipse gateway, receiving in the Venus-Jupiter blessings, envision this new direction. You want your life to flow in in front of you on your path of light in the new earth to manifest in 2022 and beyond. And as these visions get more clear and you're starting to feel yourself already living it, we're going to pause in silence for three to four minutes so you can really ground these in, really set your vision, your intentions, feel yourself living that ascension life. Okay, we're going to go into silence now so you can set your personal intentions for 2022 and beyond. And as we set our visions, our intentions, our heart's desires, giving it this powerful light infusion today in the Eclipse Gateway, like you're watering your intentions like seeds in the Garden of Eden, your light, your love are nourishing your seeds of intentions. And today is a Taurus eclipse, the earth sign of Mother Nature. So we're making them earthbound, really blooming in our earthly reality, our earthly lives. And we set this into motion now. And so it is. And so it is. And as we stand in today's powerful eclipse gateway at the great central sun, Now let's work with Gaia and the planetary field. Let's stream these powerful solar eclipse energies into the planetary field and collective consciousness. So we're this big wave, ascension wave, sending into Gaia's field. There we go. Starting to get it going. Streaming it into Gaia's field. And as way showers, earth keepers, grid workers, let's connect to the earth chakras, the sacred sites, the pyramids, the temples, the stone hinges located on the crystal global grid, working with the grids, the entry gates, the field, infusing it with today's ascension wave. Woo, there we go. And then Venus and Jupiter are also infusing today's eclipse energies with more love and compassion and connection and harmonic balance. Add the beautiful blessings, these blessings from heaven into our ascension wave all around the world into the planetary field. Beautiful. And then today's X-flare solar wave ignites the powerful inflow, the infusion we're streaming into Gaia. Ooh, there it goes. 
and we're streaming all this powerful light and love, the ascension waves, into the sacred sites and global grid. Just saturate it. Just soak it in. Spread it all around the planetary field. This is our gift to humanity. This is our gift to the nature and animal kingdoms. This is our gift to Gaia, assisting with the planetary ascension. Oh, that's a strong wave. You guys are doing amazing work here. Powerful wave. Powerful infusion. Just letting it go higher and higher in frequency and getting stronger, more amplified, super radiance in the field. Ooh, yes. Well, there's an actual quantum vortex spinning around Gaia in the feast spiral counterclockwise. So we're going to work with that vortex as well around Gaia. And as new earth activators, we are here to dismantle and remove the lower dense top down corrupted power system because we are the shift. And Metatron calls this the great extraction. So working with Metatron, all coming together here, envision all the ascending souls on Gaia pulling their power, their light, their life force out of the old Earth operating system so it can no longer function or survive. Envision that corrupt top-down power system dissolving all pull our power out of it our energy out of it because we are here to build the new earth circular operating system of connection community and collaboration we are one family one race one people we are all children of god goddess and we come together in a heart-centered field of love and compassion as we reset the collective field into the new earth circular operating system just getting that in your minds, in your hearts, as you stand in the powerful solar eclipse gateway at the great central sun. Let's pray and visualize and envision and proclaim our global intentions to provide nurturing safety for all life on the planet in our new earth operating system, including our neighbors and children in crisis, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Oh, set that intention into the field. Oh. Call on your powerful spirit guides, guardian angels, your protector dragons, and light warriors to surround and protect all life on the planet now. Oh. As the old corrupted system dissolves and breaks apart and dies out. We're here replacing it with the new Earth circular operating system, spreading and fueling it with love vibration all around the planet, filling all hearts with love. And these beautiful angelic blessings coming in today, bringing heaven to Earth. Oh, big inflow, beautiful infusion. It's getting stronger, it's building up. And in today's new moon solar eclipse, envision our world resetting to a fresh 
start going forward in the fifth dimension and higher in the new earth timeline. This is a powerful day to manifest, to set our intentions, to open to all new beginnings, new opportunities, new possibilities. That's fabulous. Envision this new Garden of Eden rising and thriving and growing and spreading and supporting all life on the planet in peace and harmony. We're giving our love to these visions and intentions so they can bloom and grow in today's Taurus Mother Nature Eclipse Influence. Set this into motion now. Spinning in, grounding in, vibrating in. There we go. Bringing heaven to earth. Oh, and so it is. And there's just your visions, your intentions, your heartfelt desires, how you are seeing our new earth, Garden of Eden. It's pulsing and vibrating as holograms in the field, coming alive with this Taurus earthly eclipse. This is our gift to Gaia. This is our gift to humanity. This is why we're here. This is serving our soul, purpose, and destiny. It's new earth activators. And as that circles around the world and pulses in the field, Let's pause for a minute as we're standing in the Eclipse Gateway at the Great Central Sun at the Galactic Center. And we're going to take a moment so everyone can visit your Starseed Soul's original home star. Again, using your superconscious to by locate to your home star. You don't need to know where it is, where it's located, or its name. You're going to lock on to your own soul's unique light frequency and ask your soul to take you home and so we're going to shift and bilocate and join our soul family on our original god spark home star all right everybody's shifting (sighs) starting to connect to your home starlight to have your Soul family, just wrap their arms of love around you. Just breathe in home energy into your being. Ah, receive family love. Bring that home starlight down your chakra pillar inside you, into your light body, into your ascension codes. Receive. Receive more blessings. We're moving into a circular operating system of connection again. Connecting to all that we are, including our original God Spark, our home family, home starlight. So that we can bring that home starlight back with us earth breathe in the blessings 
Breathe in that sweetness, bring it in, family love and support. You're not alone. You are so loved and supported. They're always with you. And as we are filling our tank inside with so much love, also collect any gifts you're going to bring back with you to Gaia. So anything that will support your own personal ascension or the planetary ascension, this can come in all shapes and sizes and forms. It could be crystals. It could be light frequencies. It could be consciousness. It could be technology. It could be innovation. Okay, so you're just going to bring in the energies of what you're bringing back with you to your ascension life on Gaia. Take it inside you for safekeeping back. Safekeeping as our journey back. Collecting all that you need right now. And we're starting to get ready to jump back over to where we are at the Galactic Center in the Great Central Sun in today's Eclipse Gateway, connecting with our escorts. Archangel Metatron and Michael for the journey back home to Gaia. Getting ready. Collecting everything. Okay, and we're going to go together. And you're still in your fee spiral. Your vortex is spinning. It's opening up a wormhole pathway directly home to you on Gaia. We're spinning back through space-time, taking all our super consciousness with us, all our energies, all our blessings, all this love coming all the way back down into your body. You can tap on your arms, your legs as you're coming fully back into the physical now, physical presence, pulling everything back inside you, breathing it in, spinning it inwards, grounding it in, locking it in, anchoring it in, merging and integrating and blending inside you as you come home into the timeless now. On our beloved Mother Earth. Ooh, all the way back down and in. And now in the oneness of the I Am Presence, we invoke the Divine Mother and Divine Father to stream this frequency of love into the heart flame of every being on Earth, filling and building the frequencies of love to all life on the planet. We call for the birth of this new earth, our new home in unity consciousness, and we set this into motion now, and so it is. Ah, and so it is. And so stay in your spin, in your vortex. Feet are grounded onto the earth's crystal grid. We're still in this powerful force field in the eclipse energies. And so now we can add your global intentions like planting seeds in Mother Earth's Garden of Eden. So we're going to start with your emailed ones first. Let's bring Minette back on. Hi, everyone. Mm. Our first email is from Cecilia. Her intention is strengthening of the field of unity consciousness and unconditional love activation and strengthening of the field of miracle consciousness, miracles of peace, love, reconciliation, cooperation, unity, and joy. 
closing up of ancient timelines, opening of new timelines, sacred, multidimensional marriage of masculine and feminine energies, sacred marriage with the solar self, sacred marriage with sacred imagination, and multidimensional healing. All right, let's give these intentions our love, our light. We set this into motion now, and so it is. From Julia, for all humans, kindly, to together, divinely, as one, harmoniously caring for each other, all sentient beings and the land, in our potentially flourishing world, picture it, may we simply be embodied souls and saving the soil provide a paradise heaven on earth to raise our conscious divine beautifully strong children and may we all live happily ever after <laughs> mm, give it your love and light we set this into motion now and so it is and so it is from our ever loyal P has been with us since the beginning. <laughs> May all new earth way showers, master alchemists, and star beings from all around the world unite and create the new earth of unity consciousness and collaboration now. May the old power system decompose from the rod within and may the new system based on unity consciousness, love, freedom, peace, togetherness, truth, health, and abundance become fully earthbound now. And may we infuse our entire love, light, and power into the new earth timeline of unity consciousness for it to ignite and war to life as our new foundation and home base on Gaia. May the personal and planetary ascension be accelerated many times over now. Let us be the reality we want to experience. Ah, we set this into motion now, and so it is. Beautiful intentions. Let's keep going. From Damon. Ooh. He stated it personally, but I'm going to state it for everyone. My intention is that we obtain greater health and healing from long COVID and transmit that healing to others. All right, let's reverberate that out through the field. We set that into motion now, so it is. From Catherine, I am setting a global intention for design, I'm sorry, Divine Mother Earth with all of her divine dimensions and divine kingdoms to step up our frequencies to 5D or higher. We are surrounded in beautiful abundance, health, home, love, peace, being, and divine purpose fulfillment. Oh, yes, yes. We set that into motion now. And so it is. From Chris in Wyoming, my intention is love. That humanity focus on broadcasting love and that each mm-hmm. soul imprints love into their environment, earth, humanity, and beyond. May all our paths leave footprints of love. Love you. Oh, this is a powerful, angelic blessing day of love. Let's really pulse it in the field. We set that into motion now. And so it is. From Zach. For the highest good of all concern, may those who already 
who are ready to walk the inner pathway of self-mastery and raise their spiritual consciousness, be effortlessly guided to the most appropriate teacher that they be fully ready and committed to becoming their best self. And so it is. Hmm, I set that into motion now. And so it is. From Tristan in Oklahoma. May new doors and new beginnings for Earthkeepers open and accelerate their path for Mother Earth's restoration with love and lucky good fortune. Mm-hmm. Yes. From De- <laughs> and from Delilia in, in Oklahoma. Igniting mm-hmm. newer timeline opportunities for Earthkeeper communities so they may anchor in the regeneration and restoration projects the new Earth is requiring. This is a big, big energy right now, this regeneration. Let's just give that our love and light as well. So we're focusing on both of their powerful intentions, and we set this into motion now, and so it is. From Kim, I set the intention for raising the collective consciousness here on Earth to be elevated into the energies of love, compassion, joy, peace, optimism, and unity. Ah, we set that into motion now, and so it is. From Safira, I would like to intend that all pregnant women receive good energies to grow and support the babies they carry, who are our future way showers. Mm-hmm. And I intend that the conflict in Ukraine come to an abrupt end and all survivors are supported in all ways. Yes, part of our global intentions. We set this into motion now, and so it is. The force field is getting more and more empowered with your intentions. Let's keep going. From Olga, may all living creatures on earth live in peace and unity. May people heal their heart and soul and evolve to a better version for the greater good of all. Mm, we set that into motion now, and so it is. And if you'd like to call in, please dial one to let me bring you on as we're doing these emailed ones right now. Okay, those are the emails I have for now. Oh, okay, we got, we got right to it. Okay, um, I don't have any calls yet. That's why I got, probably got prompted. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I have one, one more intention from the chat room um, okay. from Catherine. My global intention is for all life to be in alignment with their soul, purpose, and destiny this lifetime. May we collaborate together for a world that is full of love, compassion, hope, infinite possibilities, incomplete and total, unending, unconditional love for all. Ah, let's give that our power. Reset this into motion now. And so it is. Thank you, everyone. Wow. It's just, I can feel it pulsing all around my body. The field is getting electric here. Okay. We have some callers now. All right. I don't have your name, so I'm going to call out the last four digits of your phone number. If you can give us your name, where you're calling in from, and proclaim your global intention. Okay. First one in the queue is 1992. You're on the air. We had, it's Carol in Pasadena, we had to kind of be awakened to remember to touch one. Um, I to get a prompt out there. <laughs> I mostly want to start off with 
gratitude and love for you and Manette for leading this for all these years. And I know I'm not from the very, very beginning, but very close to it. And yes. gratitude for all the people that continue to show up and the new people who are coming to join us. And just may we just keep expanding this love and gratitude all around. And as Ringo Starr always says, peace and love to everybody. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Peace and love to everybody. We set that into motion now, and so it is. Oh, thank you, Carol. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's go to our next caller. Last four digits, 8989. You're on the air. Hi, this is Guy in Edmonds, Washington. And I, I, I have a global intention of blessing all heartfelt prayers, desires, and intentions that everybody holds in their heart to be multiplied times infinity out to the multiverse. All for this Thank you. That's a big wave. We just let that ripple out. And then it spirals back. Because we're getting into a circular system. Everything we send out, we radiate out, circles back. This is how we start to be filled and regenerated and nurtured. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, we set that into motion now. And so it is. Thank you, Sky. Beautiful. Okay, Manette, those are our callers. Kind of quiet on the lines today. I think we knocked everybody out. This is <laughs> Oh, no. You okay. were just dumped on. All right, hold on. Okay. We're giving everybody a minute to kind of come out of trance here. All right, our next caller is uh, last four digits, 3746. You're on the air. Hi, Meg. This is Gary Nicky from Washington, D.C., shamanic family, medicine man, and DIY Zen guy again. Okay. Great to be here with you and uh, Manette. Thank you so much for all the great work that you and the team do. And yesterday was my birthday, so on April 29th, Yay. I turned 60. So big 6 So I'm so <laughs> grateful that we're here with a new moon and, and everything. So thank you and bless you. And I'd like to bring in the and express gratitude for all the critters, the animals, the plants, the trees, the fairies, the sprites, the earth angels, the beings seen and unseen, and all the under-earth critters that are looking after and caring for Mother Earth who provides us with such a wonderful, safe, beautiful home that we appreciate and enjoy every day. We express our deepest gratitude to Mother Earth, Father Sky, Grandmother Moon, Grandfather Sun, the universe and the multiverses for all the galactic cosmic building blocks and dust that brings us the love, light, peace, power, and blessing for health, wealth, abundance, prosperity, and perfect self-expression. With our aloha and mahalo, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. So thank you so much, Maggie, Manette. Uh, mm-hmm. Love you guys and appreciate you so much. Thank you. Oh, beautiful intention. Let's go and send that out to the field. We set this into motion now, and so it is. Thank you, Gary, for taking us to that beautiful space. Love it. Okay, we've got another caller coming in. Last four digits is 7188. You're on the air. 
Hello, all. This is Joanne in Madison, Wisconsin. My global intention is for all of the people who are supporting each other, especially the young people who are raising themselves and raising each other and raising new right here in our neighborhoods, right here in our backyards, here in our midst and around the world, those who are so often falling through the cracks and may feel forgotten, and especially including the beloved souls who have been suffering for years in Yemen, and peace mm. and abundance for all beings and entities and energies here and now and always and forever. Oh, let's give it our love and light. We set this into motion now, and so it is. Thank you, Joanne. Beautiful, beautiful field we're building here. Okay, our next intention coming in from 1914. You're on the air. Hi, Annette Mary from San Marcos, Texas. And I want to have gratitude, love, appreciation for you and everyone on the planet who are doing this work of Mm -hmm. bringing heaven on earth, Um, sending love to every heart. Um, and I got my writing. I give gratitude to God, Yahshua, Holy Spirit, Metatron, Sudadesh, and all benevolent galactic beings and angels. Um, and I send peace and love to all souls and star seeds to feel safe and comfortable on earth for them to remember who they truly are and their divine purpose of why they chose to come help and to spread and create this heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And I am in deep gratitude and love and blessings for all. Oh, we feel that with you, Annette. We set that into motion now. Let's spread that through the field. Oh, my heart's going to explode. Thank you, my dear. Whew. Beautiful intentions, everyone. We've got another caller. 5091, you're on the air. Hi, this is Mary calling from Aptos, California. Um, I just want to express my gratitude for all of the beings on this call today, uh, near and far. It's just such an inspiration. And my global intention today as for all, all of us to move forward in our highest and best purpose, especially in expressing, in our creative expressions, and mm-hmm. uh, personally for me writing my books with active, reactivated energetic commitment, discipline, devotion, open to divine inspiration so that we can fulfill our divine blueprints that we came here to earth to deliver. Mm-hmm. May these books, may these creative expressions inspire, bring love, hope, profound opening, and cultivate the promise of conscious evolution, of all of our conscious evolution, and taking hold of our own sovereignty and moving ourselves into what's possible. So thank you, bless you, mm-hmm. and just so much gratitude, profound gratitude for this. Ah, 
Let's give Mary's intentions and visions our love, our light. So everyone is expressing their soul gifts and joy and love and abundance and influencing the ascension on this planet. Ooh, we set that into motion now. And so it is. Thank you, Mary. Very inspiring. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I think we got our callers. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Let's come back to Minette. Sure, I did one last check, and I have completed all the global intentions. Um, If there was anybody who sent something that was kind of personal, I'm afraid I, you know, didn't include it. Today's invitation is about the global. Yeah, well, they can can add that in during our personal time that we did. Okay, oh, hearts are so full. The field is just pulsing with love, and we are so supported by our angels and family, so family, so let's do our final invocation. This is a very, very full, vibrant field right now, and it will stay this way all all day, so you continue to just, just thrive in it. Okay, so on this sacred day of global healing and rebirth, We connect to the rising swell of Christ consciousness, filling the hearts and minds of all souls around the world. And as we unite in this divine trinity, we create a balanced and united universal planetary sanctuary for all beings to ascend now in ease and grace and harmony. And through all levels to that which cannot be named, to the silence, the stillness which allows all this to be, Leave only the truth now, the truth of our realized divinity as divine humans. With the power of God, Goddess, that we all are, we now speak the word and set all our visions and intentions into motion now. And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. You can continue to feed the wave through the day. This is a very powerful opening, and this gateway opens up for two weeks till we have kind of like the bookend eclipse that's coming on May 16th in Scorpio. And it's also during the Pleiadian lineup. So this is another powerful eclipse coming in two weeks. We'll be doing our global activations that day. hope you can join us and contribute. And we just send you a big hug of love and enjoy the blessings coming in. And we'll see you in the field. Bye for now, everyone. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to read about this Eclipse Gateway. Um, Meg Benedict uh, introduced it, and I just wanted to read this. Um, It's such a succinct thing here, so... Have you noticed the pull of the Eclipse Gateway? We are moving into a unique bandwidth of frequencies which peak May 13th through May 19th. This partial solar eclipse, uh, in three words, here we glow. Mm. (laughs) This passage is aimed at rapid expansion into a new experience in form. For many, a door will close on the old way of creating. Guidance, preparation, and observations 
on this realm shift are available to us in greater magnificence as we continue to take these energies in and work with them. As we hold the vibration of source in the heart and crystalline structures, we serve as conduits. This accelerates what Gaia is able to receive and transmit. The more conduits capable of holding a much higher vibration, the greater the acceleration. These frequencies read our divine DNA like a quantum archive. The light seeks a resonance match, a pure conduit to amplify the new. Cosmic wisdom knows what our highest trajectory is and how we get there. Revelation requires surrender, conscious alignment, contemplation, meditation, and release of old patterns. For many, the dismantling intensifies to accommodate the much higher frequency plasma of these gateways. Weep, move, and release to make room for more light. These frequencies clear old mental and emotional constructs. Focus on balance and stability within. To assist with balance and stability without. Unplug from narratives which dim your light. They interfere with heart coherence which affects your DNA's ability to do something new, which affects your reality. This is a perfect moment to cleanse, to clear, to detoxify, and to be in prime condition to receive and to facilitate these waves of cosmic plasma. Everyone allowing this new level of heart expansion is experiencing deep releases. This is paired with heightened compassion, gratitude, self-revelation, and I am presence perspective. Brand new frequencies since March 13th. Crystalline plasma is purging physical and non-physical layers of self. Brains are in transformation. The mind often feels blank. And that's okay, everybody. Setting everyone infinite Christ love light for true transformation with ease and grace. See you in the field of our meditations, unity meditations. And in love and light and service. I want to read one more thing before we go on here. Because we're doing a couple of meditations right now. So this is the 42 ideals of Ma'at. And uh, Lady Master Ma'at is the future self collectively of all of us with Mother the divine feminine energy here. So I'm going to go now. I honor virtue. (sighs) Breathe, everybody, while we do this. I would think that would be good. I benefit 
with gratitude. I am peaceful. I respect the property of others. I affirm all life is sacred. I give offerings that are genuine. I live in truth. I regard all altars with respect. I speak with sincerity. I consume only my fair share. I offer words of good intent. I relate in peace. I honor animals with reverence. I can be trusted. I care for the earth. I keep my own counsel. I speak positively of others. I remain in balance with my emotions. I am trustful in my relationships. I hold purity in high esteem. I spread joy. I do the best I can. I communicate with compassion. I listen to opposing opinions. I create harmony. I invoke laughter. I am open to love in various forms. I am forgiving. I am kind. I act respectfully of others. I am accepting. I follow my inner guidance. I converse, converse with awareness. I do good. I give blessings. I keep the waters pure. I speak with good intent. I praise the goddess and the god. I am humble. I achieve with integrity. I advance through my own abilities. I embrace the all. And so let's do this now. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna anchor these energies. Something called Sonic Journey. And this is part one. And the part one of this sonic meditation is designed to take us on a journey of graceful flow in your body and your chakras energy system, facilitating self-healing. This instrumental meditation can be done alone or combined with part two for a longer journey. Each meditation includes an accompanying visual of the Sri Yantra, which can be used as an anchor of focus. As you have your computer somewhere, you can look at it or even on your phone as you wish. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, you, you, you know what, you can look up on a, a Yantra every, anywhere. There's all, all beautiful renditions of it. Kimba Arem, just visualize in your mind otherwise. Kimba Arem is an internationally renowned musician and sound engineer who works 
as a music therapist. She is featured on the Gaia original series called Sound of Creation. So here we go. 30 minutes for this part one, everyone. Let's do this together, right in this energy, right now. Oh my goodness. The title of this one was Sound of Creation. Same thing, part two, and the other one was <laughs> Sonic Journey. I mean, Sonic Journey, part two. Yeah. And then Sonic Journey, part one. Wow. Okay, everyone. Um, I'm going to read our sister Robin LaPlante's uh, Maze Magic and Planetary Influences. Um, and I'm just going to say May is a five. Uh, and the number five is on the fifth ray is Lord Hilarion. And that's the emerald green ray and it's healing for all physicality everywhere. So once again, I am excited to share the influences of the celestial dance for May through the lens of our star child, Natasha, with a few highlights. I am including the spiritual aspects of what we will be moving through and how to utilize the gifts of these powerful lunations through the teachings of the ancestors. So tomorrow is May 1st, Beltane in the Northern Hemisphere. The word Beltane translates as bright fire and is one of the most important rituals. Today is a modern festival. The magic occurs with the, with the lighting of the Beltane bonfire. Fire was seen as a purifier and healer and would have been walked around, danced around, and jumped over by the members of the community. Beltane is a celebration of the union of souls, the union of minds, and the union of bodies. The Earth Mother calls her progeny to replenish the Earth. Flowers are used to decorate hair and baskets are gifted to celebrate life. Bonfires or candles spark the sacred fire of union and fertility. Those who followed the earth religion would light the Beltane fires on hilltops to bring the sun's light down to earth. Earth 
was awakening from her long winter nap. The flowers are in bloom and the world feels alive again. This is the third of three festivals and celebrations between the winter solstice and the summer solstice. A time when joy fills your body, mind, and spirit. The colors become brighter. And you see the best. <coughs> Excuse me. And you see the best in everyone. Ah, oh, excuse me. This is a time to cast away. <coughs> to cast away all worries and the doubts you collected over the winter time, replacing them with dreams and desires. I love this time of the wheel turning and have posted a Beltane ritual for those who wish to celebrate and call in the magic. For those who would like to experience more magic, I have also created honeybee talismans that have been charged with the spring equinox celebration. And will be blessed in sacred ceremony during Beltane. Um, so there's something called the honeybee charm. Bees are known as master manifestors in the world of alchemy. Bees spiritually represent fertility, birth, growth. New beginnings and new life. Bees remind us that our dreams are just beneath the surface of our reality. Waiting to blossom and shine for the world to see. Mugwort is a magical plant that opens the third eye. And our ability to access our deepest intuition. Honeysuckle is cultivated for good luck and prosperity. It can be added to all spells to add a touch of sweetness. Like most heady florals, honeysuckle has folkloric associations with psychic vision and dreaming. Vervain, charms made of vervain, are believed to attract money. Honeybee oil helps one move through old issues of insecurities, feeling of separation, and self-doubt, restoring the sweetness of life. Kopal Associated with the fulfillment of dreams, goals, and ideals. It helps to remove emotional blockages. It is good for yin-yang balance, memory calming, and intellect. 
And um, our sister here uh, offers these things, all these things that she's sharing. Uh, she's offering a, a way to order them. And you can contact Guy at guy at whitewolfjourneys.com to do so. And then we'll go with tomorrow, May 1st, Hecate Conjunct North Node. Last month, on April 1st, Hecate, the goddess of crossroads, aligned with Uranus, the planet of change. Hecate is also known as the Titanus of magic and possesses divine authority and absolute control over magic and sorcery. Her magic is weak in the daytime, yet very strong at night. This alignment in April created a significant moment to check in with your inner guidance to see how you were progressing in the first few months of 2022. Insight was gifted in taking the next steps in our lives. The next Hecate alignment on May 1st, tomorrow, will provide again an opportune moment to check in. Hecate will align with the North Node, which represents our way forward and our paths of destiny this lifetime. The May alignment is a continuation of the April one and will support us further to courageously make choices from the heart that leads to our joy. Meditation on this day coming up tomorrow and connecting in with Hecate and your heart may be profound on gaining clarity about your path forward at this time. Our journey to the sacred blue waters of Bimini begins this day to commune with the dolphin. I find the timing divinely perfect and the knowing that we are all exactly where we are meant to be always. Delays happen for a reason. Sudden changes occur for our highest good, providing an opportunity to surrender into that moment. A lesson I have been gifted with daily for years. It seems every time I think I am meant to go right, a roadblock appears and I am guided to go left. Frustrating at times, yet as I surrender, I always find it was in my highest and best good. <laughs> Let's see here. I think I got one more little page here. 
I have learned much from the spirit of my neighborhood willow tree. And it's just a gorgeous picture. This is, oh my goodness. It's green everywhere and there's uh, water too. It's at the edge of this water and there's a reflection of the tree in the water and the water has a green hint to it. So I have learned much from the spirit of my neighborhood willow tree and wanted to share that wisdom. Sitting in stillness with grandmother, willow offers much when sharing its sacred wisdom with the human who takes the time to listen. The leaves represent balance, harmony, and growth. As we experience the storms we face and life challenges, the willow tree gives gives us hope and a sense of belonging. Willow provides the ability to let go of pain and suffering. So we can grow. We need to remember a big part of our purpose in this world is to learn, grow, and evolve through challenging times of adversity. The willow tree is capable of bending in outrageous poses without snapping. We as humans can do the same on a mental, emotional, and spiritual level. We must remain open to learning what life is teaching us. Not fighting life every time something doesn't go as expected. Be fluid with your ever-changing reality. Surrender more. And by doing so, you'll notice yourself healing and growing into a wiser, braver, and more enlightened soul. Be willing to, to bend and even to yield. There is power in doing this by choice rather than feeling feeling it is imposed upon you. As Hecate governs true magic, working with the elements and nature, call upon her presence through the willow tree to receive guidance. So that's the word on the willow tree. I didn't know any of that. I don't know how to feel. I'm just going to say we're saying goodbye to this corrupt, uh, very dark uh, period uh, imposed upon humanity by the Vatican. And as we remain in unconditional divine neutrality and send love, much can be transformed. And this practice is ongoing as we go through these things. There will be accountability. And it's absolutely necessary uh, in order for this to be prepared the way of the new fifth dimensional period of time 
and we were actually informed that it would be a thousand years of peace. I don't know how to register a thousand years in the time. Uh, <laughs> you had something to say, Rama? Um, all I could say is that there's a scene at the end of Avengers Endgame where Thor is um, sitting with uh, Valkyrie, the new queen of Asgard, and she's saying to him, you're supposed to be the king. And he said, well, I'm giving it to you, madam. And, you know, maybe for the next thousand years or so, I'm going to go explore the rest of the universe because I've already... Uh, done two or three thousand years of saving damsels in distress and saving the universe, it's your turn. And <laughs> in a sense, what I got from that is this sense of timelessness, because we're all in this journey right now about ascension and since all time is now, got to focus on the now. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> mm. Deep thoughts, because when you realize you are immortal, eternal, what's two or three thousand years? on a journey across this local universe. It's quite um it's quite amazing and I'll leave it there because I don't know where else to go with it. Well this period right now they're saying from April twentieth it started and it will go until May eighth. Um Definitely you want to take advantage of this period where plans for outings, events, important meetings can bring you fun. <laughs> fun, Rama said that was a little bit better. And a more productive feeling in our lives. Uh, these dates all bring harmonious meetings, arrangements, scheduling, coordinating events into play. The sextile are very handy as difficult subjects emerge. Discussion can take place in order to move forward with constructive decisions about them. Take care of your business, important events and decisions or financial plans before May 13th through the 16th. As that is our next, as our next lunar eclipse, simply terrible for dealing with any important activities or decisions purchases, or for events to go perfectly at that time. A quick recap. Sextile aspects, opportunities to receive help, support, and exchange of important ideas. Solar eclipse, tomorrow, launching change globally, economically, leadership, and inspiring more freedom everywhere. Mercury 
node Saturn examining our limitations and getting real with our money and social issues, along with the Mercury retrograde, open to discovering that inner guidance leading us to a new set of information we need to take for our future happiness. Reminder, you can find some of the latest predictions for the U.S. and the world astrology uh, in a compilation from February Star Drops, hoping for an incredible journey toward awakening and freedom. All right, so everybody, it's time for a little break. So we shall do so, and we will see you in about 10, 15 minutes, and we'll take a look at those stars, and I'm sure Rich will have some more to share with us, along with Kay Pacha and Tanya Gabrielle. So Satnav for now, everybody. I hope this was really refreshing and renewable. Namaste, everyone. Namaste. How's the talkies take to you, Richard? Thank you, sir. Good evening, everybody. Talk about astrology, the astrology condition here for about an hour here. Now, we're, I got just a couple of formulation. configure itself for several weeks now. And one of the things I've noticed here that I want to reiterate that daytime, wherever you are, during the daytime from, oh, from an hour after sunrise, Wherever you are, all the planets are in the daytime sky. Now, right now, Mercury is leading the pack at one degree Gemini. And it's uh, about two hours after sunrise. So from two hours after sunrise, all the planets are in the daytime sky. At sunrise, Mercury is still below the horizon and Uranus is still below the horizon and Moon is still below the horizon. But right now, the Moon is only a degree ahead of the Sun because the uh, exact conjunction of Sun and Moon was uh, about 3 p.m. earlier today. And I even heard a mention of the pre-dawn sky on broadcast radio, and they were talking about how you could see Saturn and Mars and Jupiter and Venus all lined up in a row. And and they, they rise about, uh, let's see here, Venus rises uh, about, uh, two hours before the sun at this time. So if you you know if you if you live and breathe astrology like I do, you know that uh, one hour is fifteen degrees, 
of arc or a half of a sine. So um, Pluto rises first. It's still at 29 Capricorn and uh, still still rules the underworld and everything dark and hidden and in mythology it's the place of hell so hell rises first during the day and once you get through the daytime the reason everybody is acting the way they are is all of these all these influences right Mars has Mars has moved up to. Now let's let's get Saturn in here first. Saturn is at twenty nine, Aquarius. Mars is up to thirteen. Neptune is hanging out at twenty five, and Jupiter is at twenty nine, Pisces. And Venus is at twenty nine, Pisces. So Venus conjunct Jupiter, and they were so close together. In the morning sky, that they they looked like one giant bright star. Venus conjunct Jupiter in twenty nine Pisces. This is a trigger event. There's several trigger events going on here simultaneously. We got that going on. Chiron still hanging out at 15 Aries. And tonight, right now, the sun's at 11. And the moon's at 13. And Uranus is at 15. So we got this triple conjunction new moon, which Tanya talked about last Saturday night. So that's my opening setup. I think it'll be an interesting week ahead. I mean, it's like we just had the French elections this week. An interesting week for a national election. They got that going on here. And I don't know which government's going to have an election next, but I believe there's a couple others coming up in May. I know Georgia in the U.S. has its primaries May 24th. So let's go see what Kaipacha is thinking about this week. And uh, we'll try and uh, extract some wisdom from the old fella. <laughs> now I'll talk, well, he's, he's my age, so we're old fellas. <laughs> okay, Richard. What does that say about me? Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, old fellas and old gals. <laughs> Well, you know, when I think about my niece who is 37, you know, half my, you know, a little more than half my age, you know, you know, you want, you know, you get bits and pieces as you, as you listen to various shows and, and, uh, I don't know who everybody listens to. I've got my own selection, you know, you hear bits and pieces. Uh, even the the uh, economic commentaries talk about you know the 
the the young ones, you know, and, and how they're feeling, you know. And I, I can see the similarities, you know. Like when I was in my 20s, we were pissed at the older politicians, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, old, old, those old politicians, you know, gray-haired white men, you know, running, running the United States. And we didn't like them too much most of the time. But anyway, the situation hasn't changed in that respect, you know. Except for one person, uh, uh, because I kind of grew up and protested with Bernie Sanders. And he's an old guy, old, old guy. And he was, he was pounding the pavement in his twenties and a teenager and never. Well, Well, you know, for an old, you know, Bernie's a likable fella, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, but, uh, you know, it's like, they, the young ones don't know Bernie, you haven't been, they haven't followed Bernie like we followed Bernie. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, I, I think maybe we should have a, um, we should have a maximum age for members of, uh, Congress, you know. Oh dear! Well, yeah. we better we better get to the posture right now. That's a whole other conversation. So yes, I'll, it is. I'll, I'll shut up now. All right. Here we go. Here we go. How many minutes, Roman? Thirty-six minutes. Holy cow! Thirty-six Almost minutes. Here we go. Skypacho with the weekly Paley report, and I am here in my backyard because last week uh, I messed up my leg down at the river, so I'm not hiking anywhere. <laughs> and let's see, the report may be a little late today because I was waiting for the moon to go into Aries. After two and a half days of Pisces, moon in Pisces, it's been just like the big let go. You guys are feeling this Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Neptune over there in Pisces. Oh, here we got my little friend. He's looking, he's listening to the Paley report. He's going, what? Uh, I don't know if I go for this astrology stuff. Here, let's zoom in on him. There he is. So yeah, the moon went into Aries and, uh, she's gonna stay there until Friday. She goes into Taurus. And then, uh, she's gonna, uh, through the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, she's gonna go into Gemini. And, uh, by Wednesday, she's gonna go into Cancer. But what's the big deal? The big deal is the frickin' solar eclipse happening. Mm-hmm. She's gonna be going through Taurus and conjuncting with the sun. On, I mean, close to her north node, okay? I mean, it's at 10 degrees, 28 minutes of Taurus, and the north node is closer to 22 degrees. So it's not a total eclipse, but it is a solar eclipse happening this week, okay? It is on Saturday, 
uh, will be feeling it the whole weekend. Some of you may be feeling it now. I'm going to talk more about what that means and feels like in the report. But Uranus is also close by, right? That uh, so it's a you know it's going to be a solar eclipse conjunct Uranus <laughs> and in square to Saturn. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's big. She uh, she squares Saturn on Sunday after the eclipse on Saturday. But the other big thing I want to be talking to you about uh, today is uh, uh, Pluto. Pluto stations to go retrograde on Friday at the 29th degree of Capricorn. And I'm going to read the Sabian symbol for that degree. I think it's really uh, a big one. So zoom out here a little bit. And uh, what else? Right now, as I'm speaking, Venus is conjunct Neptune over there in uh, Pisces. And uh, that's, you know, very beautiful. By Saturday, on the same day as the eclipse, she is going to be conjunct Jupiter in Pisces. And here you can see up in the papaya tree, that is a little bird's nest. Can you see that? <laughs> Nothing like combining a little nature with astrology. <laughs> and I don't know if you can hear the those parrots out in front, but they are just the noisiest guys. Maybe after the report I can do a, uh, go out there and listen to those parents a little bit. So what else? Uh, Sunday, Venus sextiles Pluto. And finally on uh, Monday, Venus will go into Aries. Mm. Yeah? Okay. By Tuesday, Jupiter comes into his exact sextile with Pluto. Mm. So that is going to be um, very, very powerful. And last but not least, the only other thing really is that, you know, Mercury has been moving through Taurus for a while now. And uh, by on Friday, Mercury is going to be going into Gemini. So you got all that? Mm-hmm. Of course, you can always go back uh, and look at the chart at the beginning, pause it, and see all those aspects in the chart itself. Yeah. So let me find a place, look at the camera and explain what all that means. All right, everybody. So much to say today. Don't know where to begin. I think I want to just kind of jump in a little bit with this idea of Pisces. Pisces. With all these planets, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Neptune, the moon being there these last two and a half days. We also have to understand that Pisces is this, it's the last sign of the zodiac. It rules the 12th house, the last house in the circle of the chart. It has to do with the infinite potential out of which everything comes and returns. It's the opposite of Virgo. And this we can call... uh, the humility axis. <laughs> you know, things start out in uh, Aries, the warrior, first house, you know, in the natural horoscope, it's, you know, the horizon. 
and they come around to 150 degrees, the quincunx aspect, to go into Virgo. And that is the final, okay, it's like Leo is the star and the sun in the center, and, and there's a humbling process that Virgo humbles Leo to prepare for the other horizon, the beginning. So this is like the full moon, that first 180 degrees. I talk about it in the opposition video that I did, right? And that is the, that is the, the full moon is the culmination of the individual powerful expression of the seed out into the world. It's like, right? The flowers bloom. It's the big time. And then the second, you know, the second hemicycle, right? This, this, the second, well, portion, the second 180 degrees where the moon is waning from Libra all around to Pisces, okay, is the socialization of whatever evolutionary impulse began with Aries. But Pisces in the 12th house is the final finish close of the whole cycle where we die and go to heaven or die and go to hell or, <laughs> you know, where, you know, the seed just kind of, uh, you know, uh, dissolves back into the compost pile. Okay. You know, the, uh, I mean, it is, so it rules hospitals, institutions, convents, monasteries, you know, uh, ashrams where there's no self, there's no more, I, me, my ego, whatever kind of stuff. It's just like annihilate, wipe out all the illusions, wipe out all the pride, wipe out all the, you know, whoever, whatever you think you are. And you're going back to the ocean of oneness. You're going back. Okay. You know uh, what? From ashes we emerge and to ashes we shall return or. From dust we came and dust we shall return. Oh, yeah, that reminds me of a song for this week. What? The dust. Anyway. Kansas or something like that. <laughs> uh, before I forget, well, no, I'll come back to this week's song. Anyway. Yeah, and it is. So uh, we have all probably been feeling with all these planets in Pisces and now the moon going through there. It's just like, whoa, overwhelm like pressure i can't take this anymore it's i i need to break down i need to let go i can't mm -hmm. you know, I, i'm not atlas i can't hold up the world i can't keep my life together i can't control you know the universe so there is a lot of this <laughs> and like i say hospitals and institutions mental institutions you know physical mental emotional I mean, it has been very challenging for almost everybody that I talk to, and I talk to a lot of people. Every, you know, people were really going, we're going through, okay, you know, collectively this kind of an initiation. And I want to, you know, I want to speak to not only this breakdown, you know, and this letting go and this humbling, but then also this positive, the, you know, what comes out of this Pisces energy, what comes out of Jupiter, Neptune conjunct in Pisces with Mars and Venus coming through there. Yeah. And especially now Venus hitting Neptune as I speak today. 
And we all just have to understand that this is the spiritual world. This is the invisible world. And I, and I want to read to you, not only do we have all this energy in Pisces with a Jupiter-Venus-Neptune conjunction, it's called the stellium in Pisces right now, but I have to read to you where Pluto is stationing. Pluto is stationing at, at like 28 degrees, 35 minutes of Capricorn, which is the 29th degree of Capricorn that I will be reading for the Sabian symbol. And it has been there since March 11th. It came up into that degree and it stops and goes retrograde. And it doesn't leave that degree until June 22nd. So this is more than 10 weeks of Pluto stationing, sitting at this singular one degree that I want to read to you today. And we all want to talk a little bit about Pluto in in his station passing all the planets okay have this situation and, and what it is is it's just like uh the the earth and the planets i mean none of them go backwards right i, I mean we, we all know they're all orbiting around the sun but the earth orbits faster than pluto so when it comes around just like passing a car on the freeway it looks like the car is going backwards in relationship to the fixed stars, in relationship to what is beyond outside our solar system, because we're going faster. So whenever a planet is retrograde in your chart, it means that the Earth is approaching it, and the Earth is getting closer to it than ever before, and it becomes more personal, and it becomes more powerful. Now, Pluto is the evolutionary force. So what we have is this situation now where Pluto has been going direct, okay, uh, since 24 degrees, October 21st of 2021. The Earth, the Earth and Pluto are kind of, you know, both going along together, going forward, okay. And now the Earth is caught up to it, and it's going to go retrograde until uh, October 8th. Then in October 8th. The Earth has passed it, and the background appears to be, yeah, so it's, it goes forward again, okay? While it is retrograde, rebel, revolt, redo, reimagine, reinvent, uh, remodel, uh, refurnish, refinish, just put all your re's in there. <laughs> okay. So while it was going forward since October, there's been forward motion. Pluto is the force of evolution. There has been forward evolution. And now from now until October, this force of evolution is going back over to review, to reflect, to, you know, to just like, you know, reorganize and revolve regurgitate, (laughs) (laughs) go over what has been going on in order to more deeply understand the evolutionary process. And then October 8th, it goes direct again. And I'll talk about this. It goes direct right until what? It goes into Aries. I mean, uh, uh, Aquarius. It goes direct, uh, you know, October 8th and by March 24th. 
of next year, Pluto enters into the sign of Aquarius. Now, it only goes to zero degrees, 21 minutes or something, yeah? Uh, and, and goes retrograde back into Capricorn in June of next year. And then it stays in Capricorn and it stations again in Capricorn, okay, at 27 degrees, 53 minutes on October 10th of next year. So you can see just about every, you know, uh, every May, June, uh, you know, April, May, June, it goes retrograde. And then in October, it goes direct. I mean, this is this is the Pluto cycle. Then it will go back into Aquarius and it's going to stay in Aquarius for 40 years, mm-hmm. starting January 22nd of 2024. Oh my goodness. And this force of evolution, this Plutonian force of evolution, just one more thing about Pluto is it's coming around to the Pluto return of the United States of America. Uh-oh. Yes, that Pluto return for the United States, I put it in there. It first came in February 21st of this year. Mm-hmm. Then Pluto's going to go retrograde now. It's going to go back over the United States Pluto July 12th. Mm. Happy 4th of July, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's going to station, go direct in October. And by December 29th, it's going to do its third pass. What we look at in terms of this passage, this Pluto, if you've got anything in your chart from, you know, 27, 28, 29, zero degrees, you're getting a Pluto transit. And this Pluto will come over it, and it will, first of all, the first pass, it stirs everything up. Mm-hmm. And you have a new idea. You meet a new person, or you quit your job, or you make a big change in your life. You know, your house burns down, or you move out of your house, or you get <laughs> married or divorced. I mean, this, like, something big happens. And then the second pass is you make the adjustments Okay, you spend the retrograde period adjusting to the new condition that has arisen with the advent of the first pass. And then the third pass is done, finished, closed, complete, opportunity gone, change made, as much change as as is going to be made, okay, and... You know, you had your chance. <laughs> so, so that's the way I see it. The first pass of a, of a transit, okay, you know, opens the door. You, then you move through the door and, uh, the, the final, uh, pass is the door closes. Yeah. So just keeping this in mind, understanding that now Pluto is stationing right at this degree. It makes this degree very important. And I think that this degree is very powerful considering all of the Piscean energy that's going on now. So I'm going to read to you again from the Sabian symbols. And don't forget, in July, you can join me and go to the site of where the original star alchemists of the ancient, ancient 9,500 B.C., the oldest megaliths that they have discovered on the planet have 
star astrological constellations in them in Turkey. And we're doing a, 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 a tour of under, to, to the origins of time and a study of how to use the uh, Sabian symbols to interpret your chart and to actually see where the Sabians lived. Ow! <laughs> Check it out on my website, man. I'll put a link down below in the notes on YouTube. A woman reading tea leaves. The ability to see the signature of hidden meaning in every occurrence, drawing one's attention. How Piscean is this, mm-hmm. right? Amazing that Pluto is stationing at this degree with all of this stellium and Pisces. Humanity has always sought to interpret the meaning of events or situations which baffle him in terms of specific omens or signatures. The reading of tea leaves is only a commonplace modern version of a certain type of procedure used by priests of all ancient religions. Mm. Should be priests and priestesses. The practice is based on a realization of, in quotes, the relationship of everything to everything else. A definition of astrology given by Mark Edmund Jones. Dream interpretation in depth psychology belongs to the same category as it is based upon the establishment of a close connection between the unconscious and the conscious. But in dream analysis, the individual unconscious, at least at first, is mainly referred to. While in omens or modern fortune telling at its best, one relies upon the power of occult forces or entities to convey the information that will clarify confusing situations. This symbol refers to a specific technique of understanding or evaluation. What is implied is the ability not only to perceive the facts of everyday existence, but to see through these facts and discover how they are related to the realm of basic meanings or archetypal processes. This is essentially what is meant by true clairvoyance, the capacity to see in everything, the signature of deeper realities. This can take us back to the ancient, ancient, ancient times. Rudolf Steiner goes back in occult science to, this is the fourth incarnation of Earth. And even with this incarnation of Earth, there's been Atlantis and Lemuria and even the origins of astrology and the Sabians were living in a time where our physical bodies were not even so dense that we were more fluid, we were more flowing, we were more open and able to envision 
the ancients saw the energy of scorpion energy coming from this section of the sky. It was not a visual, mathematical, draw out, connect the dots. It was a feeling of scorpion energy coming from that portion of the sky. And that was there they called that the constellation of the scorpion. And the same with Aries and the fish and the Pisces. There was this, it was all feelings. So this energy of clairvoyance and clairaudience, which is what this, uh, which is what the, uh, mantra for this week is discussing. It's like we can hear these voices. Right? The clear audience is the ability to hear the angels or the gnomes or the fairies or, you know, the saints or whoever you believe or, you know, the Pluto. Right? The, you know, the shaman in shamanic astrology, you know, the planets are transmitting to us. Extraterrestrials, whoever. We can hear all these different, like I say, whispers in the ear. And this, in a way, I think is very masculine. You know, fire and air and audio and light and, you know, the cosmic uh, in, in shamanic astrology. Okay, this would be the celestial world, the upper chakras, kind of up and out. And, yeah, way more having to do with the head. Now we come into... That we have this solar eclipse happening in Taurus. The physical body. The five physical senses. The sun conjunct Uranus. Okay, you know, the, the moon conjunct Uranus. Uranus coming up into this conjunction with the north node of the moon. Okay, this is, and let's just really now talk about eclipses. Eclipses to me is when the the moon comes in between the earth and the sun. It blocks the rays of the sun from reaching the earth. The auric field, the shield of earth, yes, provided, is... You know, is, is taken down. It's like Star, Star Wars or Star Trek or something, you know, or put up the shields. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, planet Earth has this auric shield, you know, that, you know, the sun and the earth, you can see this magnetic field. And when the solar, you know, when the moon comes in and it blocks the magnetic rays and the, and the light, you know, from the sun disturbs that magnetic field. <sighs> Entities from deep space, energy from deep space, whatever you want to call it, okay, it's like the door is open. And so solar eclipses and lunar eclipses just in general have so much to do, okay, with Uranian energy anyway, sudden, unpredictable, unexpected, bizarre Weird stuff goes down. And so there's always been this kind of shadow around eclipses, like, look out, there's an eclipse coming, you know? And so what we want to do with this is multiply that times 10. (laughs) Because number one, it's conjunct Uranus. 
which is, like I said, sudden, unexpected, extreme, eccentric, bizarre, unconventional, uh, you know, situations and changes. This will be with what? Taurus is Earth. Taurus is currency, cryptocurrency. Okay, uh, you know, uh, just currencies in general, inflationary rates. Uh, you, you know, we can see this really since the sun came into Taurus. Your personal bank account. Let's not just put it out there. It's not just happening out there. It's happening right in here. I mean, for me, it's happening right to my physical body. My knee got fucked up. <laughs> my ankle is screwed up. Oh Our physical God. bodies. This is Taurus. And what? The five physical senses. Smell and taste. Okay, yeah, we've all been getting some smell and taste, uh, you know, with this whole COVID. Whenever you get COVID, you, you lose your smell and taste, right? So, yeah, and, and of course, so we have the five physical senses, but I always associate Taurus primarily with touch, with sensation, and with our physical bodies. And of course, it's ruled by Venus. I see it more as having to do with the feminine. So we have, yes, this clairaudience, okay, and clairvoyance with, you know, the upper chakras, more of the yang, light energy. And then we have the seance, or we have the tea leaves, or the crystal balls, okay, or the tarot cards. And this is more water, earth. Feeling. It's gut. There's like two kinds of intuition. There's fire intuition. And there's water intuition. Where I just smell something fishy in this. Or feel something just feels weird about that. So this is the time I want to encourage you to not just like be waiting for guidance. Okay, you know, from, you know, you know, from up above or, you know, know, swinging a pendulum or something or, you know, I mean, just like listening, meditating, you know, chanting inwardly, looking at, but to really look all around in everything, your body is talking to you. The dragon lizard that I just, you know, he's saying something to me. The birds are speaking to us. The flowers are. Uh, it's like everything is one with everything else. And that is what astrology shows us very clearly is that everything is related to everything else. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, really. The relation of everything to everything else. A good definition of astrology. (laughs) And if we can not just wrap our heads around it, but wrap our souls around it. Which brings me to the song for today. Tuesday Afternoon by the Moody Blues. (laughs) The trees are drawing me near. I've got to find out why. (laughs) The gentle voices I hear explain it all with a sigh. Mm -hmm. This is where the degree of Pluto, the stellium in Pisces, and the solar eclipse of Taurus all come together. This is time of initiation. It's a very powerful time 
where not only are we being challenged ever more so from every direction by everything else, but let us always understand that spirit provides us with the necessary tools, the necessary strength, and the necessary guidance if we are alert enough, awake enough, and willing to pick up those tools and follow the signs and make the, make the change. So we are being initiated into an expanded state of consciousness. And we need that expanded state of consciousness in order to thrive during these times of moving through the portal collectively. Some people might call it superstition. Oh, you're just superstitious. Oh, that's your imagination. Oh, you think that, you know, that door slamming when you were saying something on the phone, you know, you're living in a, you know, you're psychotic. <laughs> you're nuts. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. so, you know, people in the consensus uh, stage of evolution, three quarters of the population ruled by Saturn, you know, really only paying attention to like, you know, the third dimensional physical world. OK, you know, and they'll take a sign as a paycheck or a raise, <laughs> or, you know, getting, you know, somebody giving them some, uh, you know, presents or something. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, uh, when, when we open up to multidimensional realms of experience and consciousness, there's a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. And we can access a lot more guidance, a lot more wisdom, and it will answer a lot of the questions and it will help calm us and soothe us and release the confusion so I encourage you you know use whatever means you have at your disposal and maybe learn some new techniques okay of meditation of body work of you know different ways of tapping into Spirit consciousness, spirit awareness, and you will be very thankful that you did. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, baby. So that brings me to the mantra for today. Most often I am guided by spirit whispers in my ear. I mean, that's just the way. Yeah. But with every touch, taste, smell, and feel I sense and know she is here if we repeat these mantras over and over and over again they become they they gain strength and they give us strength and 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 it's good to remember yeah and so just like you know this week during this time during this solar eclipse on Saturday you know just like tune in to what's going on out there. Yeah. All right. And of course, uh, the other thing, what? Dance your stars. I am going to be using music and movement 
and our bodies to feel our charts, not just talk about and analyze and, you know, describe our personalities <laughs> with our horoscope, but rather feel into our past lives, where we're coming from and where we want to move into this life with songs, with a playlist. Check it out. It's happening on the island of Corfu in Greece. Okay, this July, just before the Sound and Silence Festival. So uh, you set aside two weeks, <laughs> a week to dance your chart <laughs> and another week, uh, you know, for this gathering of uh, musicians and artists and amazing, beautiful people. Yeah, check it out all in the notes below. Sign up for my newsletter, whatever. Stay up to date. I've got more workshops coming all through Europe. I'll be posting them. More and more Denmark, the Netherlands, Ireland. I'm going all over the place. I look forward to seeing you there live at one of them. Yeah. But until I do, most often I am guided by spirit whispers in my ear. <laughs> But with every touch, taste, smell, and feel, I sense and know She is here. Namaste. Aloha. She is so here. Much love. All right. Well, these are the noisiest parrots. They're a very social group. They are in the mango tree. I'm out in the front of the house now. They go on like this all day long. <laughs> It's not exactly bird song, you know. I but you can hardly see them, but you sure can hear them, can't you? I don't know. Do you see any? Yeah, they're very social. Very social birds. I wonder if they're practicing social distancing up there. <laughs> oh, my. I have back to you, Richard. All right, real, real quick here. Uh, looking at next week's chart. Um, On Friday, we'll begin the cycle of the moon opposing the planetary collection. The uh, moon will uh, oppose Pluto Friday. And then that'll start, you know, that'll start uh, about, uh, let's see here, two, four, six, eight, uh, about eight, eight days of moon opposite, you know, first Pluto, then Saturn, you know, then when moon gets into Virgo, it's going to, you know, oppose all that Piscean energy stuff that we're dealing with. And that, that's basically it for the week. You know, the sun will move seven degrees ahead and blah, 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 you know. 
Gemini. I'm not sure which planet is going retrograde next, but there will be another couple of planets that are, that are going to go retrograde as we move through the summer. It'll be, wow. Yeah, and uh, that'll make things even more interesting. A lot of evaluating of what we've been through. Well, I mean, you know, fascination is fascination, you know. It's, I don't, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I try, I try not to get excited anymore, you know. <laughs> remain calm, remain calm, unprejudiced, and mm-hmm. uh, neutral whenever possible. Yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, All right. Go see. We got a few minutes for Tanya here, and I'll sign off with a namaste and have a good week, everybody. Thank you, and see you next week, Commander. I will be planting beans tomorrow. Okay. Sticking my tomato. Yeah, I figured it'd be. Tomorrow's a great day to get your beans in the ground mm-hmm. if it's warm enough. You know, if you're not in the northern latitudes, you know, but, um, yeah, I'm going to get my tomatoes in the, in the ground and plant some beans. All right, Richard. Well, we got 17 minutes of this. We might have to finish some of it later, but we can go into overtime a bit. Let's see how far we get. All right. Here we go, Tanya. Welcome to Star Codes. This is the podcast where we look at an upcoming event in the stars and numbers to help you align with the energy and make the most of the celestial sacred geometry as it unfolds. So today we're going to look at Pluto and the amazing transformational gifts that you are being given in the coming weeks as Pluto stations retrograde on April 29th while making highly positive contacts with Venus, Mercury, and Jupiter all at the same time. So this is going to be an amazing series of opportunities to actively, consciously create some very positive shifts in your life. Now, Pluto is the planet of intuition, of intuitive downloads, of the ability to see the unseen. Pluto rules Scorpio. Those two are literally representative of making what is invisible visible. And so Pluto is very connected to the awareness you have when you have a phone line to source. Basically, you're listening. You have a connection, a communication that is always active. So when Pluto stations retrograde in the midst of so many wonderful positive transits to Mercury, communication, Venus, beauty and love, and Jupiter, expansion of abundance and wisdom, the message is very clear that you are awakening to your natural ability, that is your divine birthright, to 
be always inspired by the universe, by source, by God. So it happens on the 29th of April, and that also is very significant and indicative of the symbolism of what it is that's being activated within you. 29 reduces to 11. 2 plus 9 is 11. And 11 is literally the number of the two antenna you have that literally represent the light and dark, the masculine and feminine, but are the antenna to the divine. And so intuition, 11 is the psychic master. So I want to say one thing about the word psychic, which starts with a P and Pluto, which starts with a P. And a lot of these P words, as I've mentioned many times before, are indicative of power, another P word. And so Pluto really does govern power. Now, the word psychic means to make a prediction. To some, it means that a prediction is another P word. So it's very powerful to use that ability when you see certain timelines unfolding, which are, again, all potentials. They're not written in stone. Potential, another P word, right? So Pluto being so aligned to power and foresight and seeing the unseen means that there is a real responsibility with this planet. So right now, we're being shown that when we look forward to something, we don't want it to be about doom and gloom. So if you are following that kind of predictive programming, meaning the the actual message that's coming through is about the coming doom and gloom possibilities. It is very important now to see what that does to you physiologically, emotionally, because your emotions are what fuels manifestation. So if you're emotionally in that fear programming, being afraid of something that may happen, right? Again, it's just potential that is steering you towards the doom and gloom possibilities, this is a moment where you just want to check in and say, is that what I want? Because emotionally, if you invest in in fears and emotion, that is where your world is leading you. You literally perceive the world of doom and gloom as your future. So let's look at the fact that Pluto is not only connected to that power and that ability to have foresight, psychic awareness, but also Pluto rules Scorpio and Scorpio is a water sign and all the water signs, Pisces, Scorpio and Cancer are very connected to our heart, to our emotions. So it's super, super important to understand the importance of your own emotions, how emotion, literally how you feel puts your life in motion. So when you add emotion to anything that you're focused on, it literally manifests that very thing. This is why when you visualize what you would like to feel, the frequency that you'd like to activate in your life, it has to be filled with gratitude. 
as if it's already happened so that you feel it in motion already. So this Pluto event on April 29th is a very important moment to redirect your energy or literally make a conscious commitment to directing your energy to those things that you actually want to see in your life, want to see in the world. Let me also show you the code here. It happens on April 29th, 2022, which adds up to a 21 universal date. And of course, we're in the 21st century now. 21 is the number of truth in the ancient Egyptian numerology. It actually means the truth shall set you free. And the truth in this instance is how important the hidden truths are, the hidden unconscious drivers in your life, which are fueling your thoughts and decision-making processes. The truth is when you bring those forward and you literally say, I am going to take control of my direction from now on. I'm not being the unconscious directed person. I'm being the consciously committed manifester. I am going to reflect more on what it is I truly desire as opposed to the fear programming that is driving my decision-making process right now. And I'm going to look inward more because that's what retrogrades do. And I'm going to not be afraid anymore when something appears in my own personal life that I need to look at or something appears in the outer world that epitomizes difficult, challenging energy. And this way, I will observe it. And through the observation process, I will not emotionalize it, meaning be afraid when it appears in my conscious awareness, either through the news or through in a relationship or something in my own life that I feel I'm lacking, that I don't like. I'm going to just see it for what it is instead of emotionalizing it. And that then intensifies the desire to redirect the energy and focus on what it is you would like to see. And once you do that, the energy around you changes. So Pluto then transforms. This is the transformation that Pluto epitomizes. So this date is important because the 29 is the gateway, the 11 gateway, and the 21 is the century, the truth shall set you free. And Pluto being the outermost planet is then helping to empower you through using your intuition, your inspiration, your connection to source, to your guides, to always be in the present moment instead of in the past where fear programming originates, right? And then gets emotionalized and perpetuated. So let's now look at the three amazing contacts that Pluto makes right before and after the retrograde begins. The first one is on April 28th, where we have Mercury trying to Pluto. Now, Mercury is your mind, and Mercury represents communication. It also represents short-distance travel. So there's going to be some transformation in your life in all or in, or some of those areas. Definitely your conversations will be more in line with, I'm inspired to say this, but not, 
I think I should say this, or the reactions that come from the past, right? We all have a history with the people that we have conversations with, unless it's a totally new person, but even then we can project past history on new people. In any case, right now we have the ability to much more fine tune our conversations to be of service as opposed to reactionary. So Mercury trying Pluto makes that very easy so that our heightened intuitive abilities allow us to listen as to, especially when we're in a very uh, important moment in the conversation and we know what we'd like to say to the person, but we realize that may not be at all what is going to generate the energy for their highest good or your highest good, right? So there's going to be a lot of empowering discoveries in terms of your communication, connection, conversations with Mercury, Trine, Pluto, right before the retrograde begins. Then on the 1st of May, so that would be a couple days later, so we have Mercury, Trine, Pluto, then we have Pluto stationing on the 29th, then we have the solar eclipse in Taurus on the 30th. And remember that we have the eclipse cycles starting at the same time. And Pluto is part of those eclipse cycles because Scorpio is participating along with Taurus. Those, that's where all the eclipses are taking place in those two signs this year. So that Scorpio impact also makes Pluto much more of an important player this year. So then after the eclipse on April 30th, we move into May. And on May 1st, we have Venus sextile Pluto. And then on May 3rd, we have Jupiter sextile Pluto. So Venus and Jupiter have been traveling together for a couple months now. It's been amazing to, to just experience this. And now they're coming together and both sextiling Pluto. So this is literally creating the transformation. Venus and Pluto are the two benefics in astrology. Venus governing everything to do with how you feel about your life, the beauty, the relationships, the abundance, your values, all those personal core representations of how you feel. Do you feel pleasure? And so this is allowing you to really move into making love and compassion and beauty your frequencies to focus on as opposed to going into the shadow side, which would be to be materialistic and to not go deeply, to just touch the surface, to be skimming life, skimming in your conversations, but not going to the heart and really looking people in the eyes. So there's a beauty and creativity here that's activated that is just so freeing and joyful. And then Jupiter, of course, expands everything and makes you super motivated to experience positive change. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities of major growth spurts with Jupiter. Jupiter governs higher learning, self-growth, and wisdom. 
and also to really trust in the universal flow and the natural flow of life. Jupiter is also very connected to gratitude and trust and gratitude come together. So really take advantage of all the doors that are opening at this time. And these are internal doors that then are reflected externally. It always starts here first. And that's where Pluto is so important, especially stationing retrograde. Remember that when planets station, either retrograde or direct, they are at their most powerful because they're literally at a standstill from our view on Earth. They are not moving and changing directions, so they are very intense. So the fact that all this positive energy surrounds this particular Pluto retrograde and the fact that Scorpio is activated through the eclipses, Scorpio being the sign that Pluto is aligned with, just allows for tremendous, exciting internal shifts that then set you on your way to perceive the world exactly how you would like it to be. The world of joy, of compassion, of love, of kindness, of abundance, of clarity, of awareness, of peace. You choose the frequency. It is yours. You literally are on top of the world. Pluto, power. You empower yourself by bringing your emotions to the very things you want to see. And you become the ultimate manifester as a result. And take the lead and stand for everything that is good. Everything that is helpful, supportive, uplifting. So I'm really happy to share this particular moment with you as we move into eclipse season, which starts April 30th and continues on May 15th, 16th with the Scorpio eclipse, because this Pluto event is helping us to stay grounded as we go to the best resource we have, and that is our internal connection to source. And remember, your own soul star code is reflected in your sacred geometry as well and you can discover more about your code in a free masterclass at starcodeclass.com i highly recommend you really rejoice in who you are at soul level which you can do through discovering the meaning of your birthday. There are lots of numbers to explore there and the meaning of your astrology birth code and your birth certificate name. All of that is covered in the free masterclass at starcodeclass.com. So enjoy that and have a beautiful week. And I'll see you next week for the Scorpio full moon eclipse. Lots of love. Okay, Ram, where are we going to go now? We're going to go to the conference call, everybody, and uh, spend an hour chatting. And then we'll be right back here at BBS Radio, the best radio there is on this planet. And Rama, what's the number? 
720-716-7301. And the pin code is 353-863-POUND. <laughs> okay, so we'll see you there. Joe Biden is up there at the White House Correspondents' Dinner chatting away. All right. See you on the conference, everyone. And right back here, like we said, at the top of the next hour. BBS Radio. Yay. Namaste, everybody. See you there. Oh, thank you. Namashivaya, everyone. That was wonderful, Rama. Okay. We're not going to dwell on White House correspondence genders tonight. Mm. This is what we're going to do instead. The energy is so powerful today. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Manana is 45 or 40 minutes away from, uh, Eastern time zone. So here we go. This is called a quest for ascension. Many people may feel they have no purpose in the world. If we return to ancient wisdom, we will rediscover some deep truths about who we really are and the meaning of life. Which teachings and techniques can we use to reach higher levels of consciousness within ourselves and experience the divine? This documentary invites us to explore some important spiritual traditions. Primitive Christianity, Shamanism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Toltec wisdom, and others in order to show an essential truth shared by all teachings. Everything is one. And this is featuring William Henry, Rahelio Rodriguez, David Lorimer, Betty Kovacs, and Ravi Ravindra. There we go. Here we go. 59 minutes, everyone. Let's do this. I grew up in the country. I had a brother three years older, and we played all day every time we were free. So it was wonderful until I was almost six years old and my brother and I were in the house listening to Gene Autry on the radio. But there was an interruption and the voice said that Pearl Harbor had been bombed. And I knew something terrible had happened, but I didn't understand what. I asked questions about that. What does that really mean, war? But what I saw there in the news of killing was something that grew in me for a very long time of what is this emptiness? 
what is this kind of world that the adults seem to be living? And it was something that really ultimately directed my life and what I studied. I had the deepest need to try to understand, was there really meaning anywhere in the world? Or was this dreadful worldview that our science had taught me that everything is simply matter? There is no meaning and no purpose. We're a fluke of nature, an accident that just happened to happen. (laughs) And when we're dead, we're dead. You are dust, and to dust you will return. Oh, God. And I found limitations in both religion and the science story. So I had to sort of trek out on my own and see what my ancestors had experienced. Did they know something that my culture, Western culture, did not know or had forgotten? We have to know how we got here. My name is William Henry. I'm an investigative mythologist, author, and researcher. I've written 18 books on the subject of ancient history and mythology, and especially human transformation. Today, we are suffering a global malaise. We have especially so many young people that are literally depressed. They're frustrated. They're, they're on the verge of wondering, how, how do we continue in this world? What is the purpose of this existence? And as we've been called, we're a species with amnesia. What have we forgotten? We have forgotten our true spiritual nature. And because of that, we've also lost touch with our true inner power. I am not surprised in the least that we have so much mental illness and so much addiction. We do have all of these things in the outer world and the meaninglessness of it all. So the point of studying ancient civilizations is to discover whether or not they knew something that we don't, something that we're capable of, but that we have forgotten. These people had made discoveries about nature and their own bodies that we couldn't even have imagined. And they developed techniques to open to that another dimension of reality. Each of us dies to our old self when we take the journey to discover the higher self. My name is Rogelio. I'm a spiritual guide in Sedona. I consider myself an American-born Toltec. My ancestry comes out of Mexico. So coming into Sedona, people drive in and see these red rock mountains. Oh my God, wow. It breaks people open. They're touched by the spirit. The Red Rock country has especially been sacred to Native people. In the rocks, you can see the faces, faces of the ancestor spirits. Sedona is one of the major power spots here on the planet. And um, for the Native people, the Mother Earth is their religion. The Sky Father is their religion. The whole universe is alive. And the Earth is as a living, sentient being. She has an energy life system. She has vital organs. She has an acupuncture meridian grid system. You see that when you look at the Native American dream catcher with the spider web is the acupuncture of the earth. It's making a grid all over the earth. And these power places are acupuncture points. And so as a living mother earth, we're mirroring the human being as above, so below. 
And like in a medicine wheel, you have an eastern pole and a western pole. The east pole of the planet is the world's highest and largest plateau. This is the plateau of Tibet. So they have their four sacred mountains. The male plateau, the highest pinnacle in the world, Mount Everest. And then the west pole of the planet, the second largest plateau. This is the Colorado Plateau. Colorado Plateau, the indigenous people have their four sacred mountains here also. There are shrines in those mountains, and they make pilgrimages there. So their work is to hold the balance of the planet. And the canyon is like the womb, the womb of the mother. The water is flowing. So where is the largest canyon in the world? Is the Grand Canyon, the Colorado River. And so Mount Everest, Grand Canyon, yin and yang. These are two major hubs of the world. So Sedona is a part of this. This is an emanation of the Mother Earth soul. And quite often we can be in delayed evolution. We can be stagnant. So we make pilgrimages to these places on the dream catcher grid of the Mother Earth. Pilgrimages to these places. It'll quicken the awakening. And we as human beings, we think we're contained in our own little minds and our brain here. But when we step beyond the box of our own consciousness, we open ourselves and we become one with the whole planet. We become one with the sky. We are one. We have the sky wisdom within us, and we have the earth wisdom within us. So we come to these power places to remember who we are, that we are connected to the greater. There's quite a science about that, about places on the earth where the electromagnetic energy is greater. So temples were built on these spots to trigger these potentials within us. It existed in Egypt. Egypt was very much a part of that ancient culture, or it was a recreation of it, perhaps. And in the high Middle Ages in Europe, in the renaissance of these ancient traditions, much of this information just exploded into culture. There were so many cathedrals that were built during that time. And it's interesting that 22, I think, of the cathedrals did have a labyrinth on the floor. That was a symbol of the journey that we all take in life. You have the question, you enter the labyrinth, and you walk around and around and down until you come to the center, which is the deepest part of who we are. At that spot, you confront the divine, the universal mind, the all, not as other, but as self. And that was the secret of these cathedrals and of the cathedrals in France. Someone pointed out that they're really built on the pattern of the star constellation of Virgo. Have you ever seen the star constellation of Orion? Researchers stumbled on the idea that Orion, the three belt stars, were the Great Pyramid of Egypt, the next large pyramid, and the third small pyramid. So they documented and said, wow, Orion is laid over Egypt. Other researchers here in the Southwest have looked at this Orion constellation. The three belt stars of Orion are the three Hopi Mesas. These three belt stars are also in Mexico, Teotihuacan, the city of the gods. And so native people here and also other places around the world put the stars on the earth with standing stones and pyramids and other shrines. A lot of people today are talking about the concept of ascension. 
In many ancient ascension stories, we learn of a hero who transforms and then ascends or journeys to a higher heavenly realm. Call it heaven, call it the Garden of Eden, call it whatever term you like. The Buddhists call it the pure land. But part of the idea of ascension is that ascension is also a quest for wholeness while on earth. Numerous ancient spiritual traditions, including the Christian and the Tibetan and the Egyptian, tell us that within us is this light being. It's not something we go get. It is something that we already are. And every experience in our life is designed to help us to uncover this divine nature within, as happened in the story of Jesus. It's also exemplified in the story of the Tibetan guru Padmasambhava. And the idea is that once we have connected with that aspect of ourselves, we now are in possession of true spiritual power, true spiritual understanding. And so the hidden tradition that Jesus taught was the ancient tradition of how to go inward and experience the Christ within. That is to experience cosmic or Christ consciousness. And the Nagamati text were texts of those early centuries in which Jesus talked about going inward. And they would have been destroyed, but the monks at uh, Nagamati buried them. And they weren't found until uh, after the war, 1945, in the same way that the Dead Sea Scrolls were only found in 1945 as well. We see Jesus saying, I did not come to save you. I came to remind you of who you are. You have forgotten that we all come from the light. And when you drink from my mouth, you and I are one. This was the hidden tradition of Jesus. He was someone who had achieved that ability to experience cosmic consciousness or universal mind. And he wanted us to know that we all have that ability too. In its original form, Christianity was not about people becoming Christians. It was about people activating the Christ or the light within. The Essenes referred to themselves as perfect light humans. That word perfect and perfection means to become more whole, more holy, more complete, more compassionate. Humans could transform into angels. The ancient Egyptians described their god of resurrection, Osiris, as the perfect one. In Tibet, they speak of dissolving the body, the physical flesh and blood body, into five-colored rainbow light, or what they call the rainbow light body. The term that the Tibetans use for this teaching is the great perfection. The Cathars of southern France maintained that they were reincarnations of the Essenes. They referred to themselves as the perfecti, or the perfect ones. And this is something that has been lost in church dogma. Now, my family wasn't particularly religious. We went to church on Christmas and Easter. There's a wonderful school here in Nashville called Belmont College. And because this college was a Southern Baptist college, one had to take Bible study classes. And our professor assigned us to review a book whose implications would impact Christianity. So off I go to the local bookstore, and there's a brand new international bestseller that's on the shelf. The, the book is called Holy Blood, Holy Grail. 20 years later, this would be the book that inspired Dan Brown to write 
the Da Vinci Code. But back then it was very unknown material. And this book had cost a bombshell because its premise, based on French history and French legend, said that the crucifixion of Jesus was a hoax, that he survived the crucifixion, and that after the crucifixion, Jesus and Mary Magdalene and their proposed family moved to southern France. And they left their their most coveted secrets, their cherished secrets of original or what they call primitive Christianity in southern France. My name is David Lorimer. I'm speaking from the Cathar region of France. The, the Cathars were a group of people, a movement, who regarded themselves as the true Christians. They tried to follow the original teaching of Jesus. They also believed in this inner light and the inner life. It was the great heresy of the time. And if the Roman Catholic Church of the day represented the law and the letter, then the Cathars represented the spirit and indeed the heart. The consulamentum was one of the main sacraments of the Cathars, and the whole point was for people to experience that they essentially were immortal. It went back, I think, to an early transmission of Christianity with the legend or history that Mary Magdalene came to this area and preached in Languedoc for for 20 or so years. This um, tradition of Mary Magdalene, this is the divine feminine, the partner of Jesus, is very alive around here. This tradition sees Mary Magdalene as an initiate who was, in fact, the successor of Jesus after his death. Her ascension teachings became hugely influential to the Cathars and others on the Gnostic trail. She was the one that possessed those codes. She was the one that possessed this knowledge. And it's through her lineage that all of us ultimately are given a sort of a golden string, if you will, that can take us directly back to Jesus and his ascension teachings. And so the Grail story was exactly that. It was the male going out into the woods, the place of the unknown. That's the labyrinth. And everyone and everything he meets on the way allows him to learn something about himself and about nature and life and its purpose. So the Grail is the finding of the soul, of that higher consciousness, the meaning and purpose of life. And it would mean the masculine and feminine coming together. It was a story that ignited all of Europe, you might say, at that time. And the Grail is still a sacred symbol today because we are still missing that. What's relevant for our time is precisely this gnosis or deeper experience of oneness. It's realizing your divinity as a human being. And the religious institutions, they regard themselves as the intermediaries between humans and heaven. But they can't necessarily provide the kind of deep meaning that we're talking about here, because that's something which is personal and experiential. And I think that's what people are looking for. They're looking for direct experience. They're not looking just for ideas. That is the difference. In our ancient traditions, we could experience who we are. And if we did experience that, we knew there is no death. We knew that 
life is continuous, that consciousness continues. We also know we're divine and that we have evolved to be co-creative with the universe. How can we have faith if we don't know? How do we have faith in heaven? How do we have faith in the, the lords of light, the divine ones that are here to guide us? How do we have faith in that? When people are channeling, are they delusional or are they in alignment with the truth? People say, I need to experience for myself. I need to know for myself. We have to knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and we shall find. We have to go on a vision quest. I'm Ravi Ravindra, born in India. When I was only about 18 years old, suddenly something is saying to me, Ravi, you don't know why you were born. You realize that you didn't create yourself. And somehow this resonated so deeply in me that I just wanted to find some understanding of what the great sages have said. What has created me or created the universe? And why am I here? What's the purpose of my existence? And the main call in the spiritual teachings is really a radical transformation of the whole of my being so that I can come closer and closer to the level of Krishna, Buddha, Christ, God. For example, if you go to one of the non-canonical gospel, gospel of Thomas, kingdom of God is within you and without you. If you would know God, you must know yourself. Therefore, in every serious teaching, there is a great deal of emphasis on self-inquiry, for example, in the Yoga Sutras or in the Bhagavad Gita, the word that is used in Sanskrit, Swadhyay, self-study. That's almost one of the practices of yoga. To search for why the universe has been created, why I have been created, what will happen when I die? Is that the end of everything in me? See, according to all the religious teachings, death of the body is not the death of the person. As if the person is something in the body, but not wholly the body. Then one wonders, what happens when the body dies? Is there something that does not die? Something that is eternal? Since the mid-20th century, spiritualists have begun to focus on the near-death experience. More and more we're hearing of this experience where people are dying for a time, they're traveling to a higher frequency realm, they're engaging with loved ones who, who have already deceased or angelic type beings, they're returning to their body and they're coming back to life. This experience has been reported by millions of people and it's so important because it validates the existence of a spiritual reality beyond our world. The near-death experience is, help, is helping us to prove that we continue to exist into the afterlife, that we go on and on and on. Classically, as an example, let's say your heart stops, then everything flatlines, your brain activity stops. And so it's what happens or what is reported to happen during that period of unconsciousness. And if you take the normal neurophysiological understanding of the brain and consciousness, then no experience should happen at all. It should be absolutely black. And yet it does happen, and which suggests that there is something more to the brain-consciousness relationship than is currently understood by neuroscience. 
But for years, anyone who had a vision, it was called a hallucination. It was even listed as that. This has always been, if we haven't experienced it, we have no, no idea. We can't imagine. But when we're there, we know that consciousness is eternal and that we are born into many lives in matter. I mean, what a miracle death is that whatever we identify as self steps out of the body and is then in spirit. And I think also today, many people, as I and my husband did too, experience the consciousness of someone we love after the death of that person. And we did experience our son's consciousness in detailed ways for long periods of time. He wanted us to remember that death is not the end. So we can have faith that there is a good place for us. If you've died and come back, you have no fear of dying. You have no fear of these things because... This world is only an illusion, is a school ground for us to learn the mastery of love. This is so important because it, if more and more people can eliminate the fear of death and have that, that true understanding that our existence on earth is temporary and that we have a more permanent or eternal existence in the afterlife and we eliminate the fear of death, that completely transforms our world. That is also one way of realizing how little we actually know. Any great sage will say, more they know, more they realize how little they know. So I need to have a kind of an open mind that I could learn something that may surprise me. Today, one of the, the leading philosophies in our world is also one of the, what I think of as the darkest philosophies ever conceived. And this is called materialism. Materialists believe that you and I are just matter, that we are just energy in motion, we are just molecules, that there is nothing spiritual dwelling within or animating our bodies. If it's true that the brain produces consciousness and consciousness is entirely localized, then telepathy, survival of death, experience of other dimensions, that just can't happen. And so... What these people come up against is what I call impossible facts. And this is really the crunch. If something has happened, it's happened. And your theory needs to address and explain what's happened rather than explain it away. The ancient wisdom tradition says that the soul manifests the body as a vehicle for incarnation, for exploration, to work out spiritual goals or for karma. But ultimately, the ancients believed that our soul is the animating force that manifests our physical body on this physical plane. And this is what today's culture has to remember. To a large extent, we exist in a spiritual vacuum. And what it goes back to, I think, is the denial of a transcendent reality, the denial of a divine dimension, a spiritual dimension to life. Um, which began to gather pace in the 18th century and continued in the 19th century, when Nietzsche said, God is dead. And a lot of people seemed to agree with him. So science was, from the get-go in the West, extraordinarily limited. And it wasn't, of course, until the last century with the development of quantum physics that it came full circle. And we finally now have a science that is becoming worthy of the universe. 
And it's very interesting to realize that the mystics talk about the quantum field as well, except they call it spirit. (laughs) And the physicists will say the quantum field is a vast ocean of light and consciousness, and it records everything that happens. And the mystics would add, yes, it is infinite. Everything that we do is recorded in spirit. And it is a vast ocean of consciousness, and they would add, of love and light. So it's very similar. What the mystic has experienced is now being identified by the quantum physicist. Max Planck gave an interview to The Observer in 1931, in which he made a famous remark that he regarded consciousness as fundamental, and that the mind is the matrix of all matter. And so what this does is this puts him in the category of people who believe that the mind, in a sense, comes first, and the mind is primary as a shaping force. As spiritual beings, we have to connect with our base reality, with our true reality, which exists beyond this realm. Call it the kingdom of heaven, call it the pure land. Beings are coming and going from these higher frequency realms into our world. And we have to keep that connection alive and infuse this world with the light of that realm. I don't think science actually can address these inner questions because science, by and large, looks at phenomena from the third person, from the outside. But purpose only comes from the inside. uh, And it's a realization that we come to. So spirituality or mysticism is the complementary of this because spirituality deals with the inner, the subjective, and at some point, the transcendent, and they what goes beyond what we immediately understand. So spiritual mysteries always remain occupation of an individual who wishes to relate with the real. Just because the Buddha related with the real doesn't mean that now I don't have to do it. But Somehow, what has happened, largely this actually began with the scientific revolution. The emphasis there is that only the reason can lead to truth. And therefore, ultimately, only science can lead to truth. Musicians can go to hell. They don't do anything. Poets, painters, none of this has any truth. Truth is only because of science. Whereas even the greatest scientists will tell you, I will quote one actually from Pascal, a very highly regarded scientist. He said, heart has reasons that reason does not know. We have a symbolic mind and we also have a conceptual mind. The symbolic mind has a poetic logic of its own, but both are necessary for the mind to experience its own wholeness. And intuition is a great gift, you might say, that we have, is that ability to think with the heart, feel into it. We talk about a divine masculine and a divine feminine. These are actually aspects of our consciousness. The masculine and feminine we're speaking about is within us. We all have an inner male and an inner female side. We, we might think of them as our logical side being our masculine side and our more intuitive, nurturing and spiritual side being the feminine side. The key thing is, is that when we have both sides of ourselves, the inner male and the inner female, both saying yes to the same thing, 
That's when real positive momentum occurs and when transformation suddenly just becomes really easy and starts to flow. And ultimately, what I recommend that we want to get the male and the female saying yes to is to becoming more whole, more holy, more complete, more compassionate. So everything that I've been sharing is about awakening of consciousness. And consciousness is the yin and yang, mind and heart. So we're talking about healing this duality, the male and the female sides of us. We've been in a patriarchal system, and in this time now, there's this trying to bring fair play back to the feminine, because we've all been wounded. We all have a little anger and rage within us. So we have to heal the inner feminine within us, the inner feminine, and find balance. Because we all had made our mistakes. And so if we embrace with the Hawaiian term, ho'oponopono, oh, sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. You do it for those around you, not as if you're trying to heal them, but you're healing them that's inside of you. Because their woundedness is your woundedness. Because we are all wounded that way. I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. You heal the wounded male, female, child within you. You can heal the wounded male, female, child outside of us. All true traditions have this teaching. Jesus said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Ho'oponopono. And the Buddhists are having chants and mantras, healing, loving, and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness. We are all one. We all have to love and forgive. Because this world will pass, but the heaven realms will not. That's where we're going. We want to bring heaven down here. And so as we learn to love and forgive ourselves, the sacred marriage of male-female can take place within us. Ego is a good servant, but a bad master. Ah. If this occupies the whole of my life, then I'm not really attending to why this element of the spirit has taken his place in me. So in every serious teaching, there is always this call that I need to leave my usual ego-oriented self, which is just occupied with me, me, me. Power, wealth, pleasure, self-occupation. So unless I can be a little free of that, there is no way I can come to God. So how do we incorporate some of these concepts in our daily life? What are things that we can do? Well, first and foremost, we always have to recognize the power of our thoughts and the powers of our emotions. We have to transcend our lower nature. The key is to see ourselves already having attained our highest spiritual functioning and our highest spiritual abilities and to begin to live from that perspective. So the challenge then is to go into your imagination and think, Okay, when I'm at this higher frequency, I will be maybe eating different foods, reading different books, meditating more, perhaps. I will be traveling to certain places. We need to get really specific and come up with a to-do list of 20, 25, 30 different new things that you'll enjoy doing mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally when you're at that higher frequency. Then the next step is, is to start doing those things. And automatically, your belief will change because you are changing what you're doing. If you want to know what you believe about anything, look what you're doing. We have no idea what we're capable of 
how do we operate this incredible beingness that we're born in? Certainly, the ancients used dance, music, isolation, fasting, long meditation. I think those are ways, and certainly sacred plants, but used in a very sacred way. Many indigenous peoples knew our potential to be in two places at once. We hear that, we don't believe it, but there were many, many things that we are told from these ancient cultures. Maybe they're true. I think that we are pretty powerful if we can go within with the intention of what we want to achieve, we can get pretty far, and we can get even farther if we work together on it. Spiritual practice is central to all spiritual traditions. There are prayers, exercises with formulas, meditation practices, and breathing practices. And it requires will to persist in doing these exercises every day. It's easier to stay in bed. The body is meant to be the instrument to assist the evolution of the soul. Or sometimes I use another expression. This is actually from St. Paul. Body is the temple of the spirit. One can get so occupied with the temple that one is not paying attention to the spirit that might descend. On the other hand, there is no reason to be against the temple. If the temple is right, quiet, etc., so the spirit can actually descend. Truth is something that has to be lived. So we're always looking for our roots, but we don't want to be defined by a story that doesn't serve our true self. And so Toltec wisdom has been passed down. There have been very secret lineages. I met Don Miguel Ruiz and I saw his uh, writings about the four agreements. And these four agreements, uh, simple as they are, are very difficult for people to practice. The first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. Because your word makes manifest. So we speak our reality as like abracadabra. I speak it into manifestation. It all begins with the power of being impeccable with our word. That we don't speak in a way that sabotages our reality. That we don't speak in a way that sabotages those around us. So this also connects to what I call the four attributes of a spiritual warrior. It comes from Toltec wisdom. And that is, uh, it begins with the power of prayerful intent. The second agreement is don't take things personal because people begin to, you know, they're in their own healing process, their own growth process. Don't take it personal because people are projecting their shadows. And so if you take their negative energy in personally, you can get sabotaged by becoming too wounded by that. The second attribute of the spiritual warrior is compassion, compassion for yourself, compassion for others. The third agreement is don't make assumptions. Sometimes you're talking to somebody, you can make assumptions that they mean this is their intention. But you don't really know until you look within and look at what's going on and investigate for yourself what the truth is. So that's the third attribute of the spiritual warrior. Intelligence. Use your intelligence to understand. What is my silent wisdom telling me is the truth? We have our authentic voice within us and we have this rational mind that will rationalize and lie to us. It's like, put that thing quiet, look within, listen to your inner silence. And the fourth agreement is do your best and don't be attached to results. And that brings us to the fourth attribute of the spiritual warrior, and that's patience. 
So when we do our best and surrender our attachment, because we're surrendering to the will of heaven, that takes us back to the first attribute, prayerful intent, that we are aligned with the will of heaven. All positive and good things are coming to me. All positive and good things are here for me now. This journey of transformation has many stages. It's a radical transformation of the whole of my being. In fact, it is called by Christ as having a a new birth. You have to be born again, born of the Spirit, born from above. So how can I become an instrument of God's will? That is the call. I am an aficionado of sacred art. For over 20 years, I have been studying the ancient belief that art is actually a portal or a gateway into higher realms. I first started learning about this in ancient Egypt, where the temple walls were literally considered to be alive. In the early Christian world, they used icons as an open-eye meditation and were taught that the icon was literally a sacred mirror. A part of you was actually feeling that vibration of transfiguration as you were looking at the image because the image was considered to be a sacred mirror, a portal, or indeed a gateway. The Tibetans teach that Padmasambhava, as an avatar, can transmit the codes or vibrations of the rainbow light body through that image. Modern-day artists like Nicholas Rurik have also shown us through their works images that can guide us into deep states of meditation and help us to connect with our light body. It's a very key meditation technique that is taught in numerous traditions and one we can use today. You can find an image of, of the transfiguration or of the rainbow light body. And remember that this is my true spiritual self and use that image as a point of connection between your earthly self and your transcendent self. But one of the things that sometimes people get as if they need to be rid of their body and just only connect with the spirit, that the world can go to hell. I will just go to a monastery or I go to the Himalayas and I will meditate and become free or liberated. That is actually completely contrary to most of the spiritual teachings. After all, if God has created this world, this universe, why should we be against it? (laughs) I often remind people that we are, each one of us, is a child of both heaven and earth. Both need to be honored. Spirituality isn't isn't an escape hatch, not at all. It's engaging fully with the world, but not being of the world in the sense that one belongs to something larger. Be in the world, but not of it. The common denominator among all these spiritual traditions is that they're ultimately talking about alchemy. And the mission of those on the light body path is to perfect the earth plane, to raise the entire planet into a higher state of perfection. That is the goal of the awakened who are on the light body path. It's ultimately not to leave earth and migrate to another planet. That's not ascension. That's just moving from one physical plane to another one. Ascension is more of a spiritualization of our planet, of transforming it into a planet where light and love are the base frequency instead of fear as the base frequency as many of us experience it today. 
golden rule says that what we put out is what we get back. So if we're we're tending to focus our energy on on fear and negative emotions, then that's what the world is going to mirror back to us. One understanding of, a, of the so-called dualism of Cathars would be to say that they see the world as an arena where light and darkness are competing in some way. And so the spirit represents the light, and the darkness is represented by the prince of the world, by evil, broadly speaking, but also love of power, love of money, love of influence, love of control. There is a remark of the famous Sufi sage, Rumi, if you have not yet seen the devil, go look in the mirror. Because the whole external universe, in principle, can be mirrored inside us, including the devil. (laughs) This, This is important to keep in mind. Because if everything in the universe can be mirrored inside me, why not the devil? After all, he's also part of the universe. Even the devil is his proper place. After all, the devil is also son of God. He didn't create himself. He's also created by God. And he is, in any case, the head examiner. He's always testing everybody. You can certainly see this in the Bible, or you can see this in the story of the Buddha. Nobody can be enlightened or be allowed to come to God or to heaven unless they have been tested by the devil. What is the test? Usually, what is it that is driving the whole world? More pleasure, more wealth, more power. Is there anybody among my whole audience who is not driven by these forces? I am, certainly. I occasionally ask myself honestly, how many million dollars would take me to betray something? People need to ask this quite genuinely, personally, to really inquire. And then if that doesn't work, then the other side is fear. How can I be free of this? Love heals fear. But people speak of the word love all the time, but they can't heal themselves by themselves because it's wounded as their child. We have to recover our inner child so that the wisdom of that inner child can blossom into a spiritual warrior. If we make amends for our mistakes, take total responsibility for what we are creating I'm sorry for my mistakes, Great Spirit. I'm sorry for my shortcomings. Please show me the way. Help me to awaken on my path. Today, this day, show me what I need to learn. And that you may speak through me as you wish. That I may be a clear conduit for your wisdom. Knock, ask, you shall receive. We have to have faith in the higher power. And who we were the year before. We may have successes. We may have had spiritual realizations. We have to drop it and start brand new fresh today. It's time for you to wake up, remember, and learn. And I think of the Kogi, for example, these people in uh, Colombia, high in the Sierra Mountains. They know so much about science and the cosmos, and they actually talk to the masters of the universe, they tell us. But they say this, and that's why I bring them up, and that is that mind creates the scaffolding for matter. I think that's brilliant. They knew that it is consciousness that creates matter, which we only know with quantum physics, that consciousness is primary and creates matter. And they took the responsibility to try to hold the world in order. And they do the meditation and the talking with the spirit world to try to keep us balanced. But they're saying we can't. There's too much destruction and too much sorrow. 
And they say that we are dumbing down the universe because of our thoughts. So we're not only dangerous for ourselves, we are destroying matter, according to the Kogi. People ask me all the time, can we really ascend during our times? It's getting so dark out there. And my answer to that is this is the time when we most need to have these ascension teachings. When you think about the Essenes and the Cathars, they met some of the most darkest and oppressive forces on the planet and were able indeed to overcome. Individuals on their own can make an enormous difference if they decide that they are going to focus on love over fear, focus on power rather than disempowerment. That has a ripple effect. It has an exponential effect. So if our world continues to go darker, and I believe it's starting to move into the light, as we all know, the night is darkest just before dawn, that this is the time now where we've got to redouble our efforts to control our thoughts, to control our emotions, and especially to keep ourselves in the most loving possible space, because this is the only way that we're going to bring the light into our world. And ultimately, that will leave you in connection with your true divine nature. This is the, the ultimate purpose of our time. We are being challenged, and we have to rise as champions on this occasion. The light shined in the darkness, and never shall the darkness overcome it. What we're up against now is the result of all of these centuries of suppression there are four periods of renaissance in Europe in which this ancient tradition of who we are emerged. Each of those periods was suppressed and repressed violently by the powers that be. This is the fifth period. It has emerged today, I think, full force. So many more people know about it. This period is an exciting period with quantum physics, with near-death experiencers, with visionaries of all kinds. This is the fifth renaissance. I can't see what could happen to us if we don't make it this time. There's no way that we can really survive on the earth meaningfully, for sure, unless we allow this awakening to take place. It's going to take the wholeness of the human mind to confront it and allow itself to be transformed. I do have hope, but I, I have kind of what I call conditional hope, where hope has to be enacted. In other words, you have to move in the direction of your hopes to take the necessary action, to be part of a movement for change. It's not going to happen all by itself. We are at a critical juncture of our evolution. And if we go along with the reckless advance of technology without considering its implications, then I think we're on a destructive path. There's a very good quote from E.F. Schumacher. He said that humanity is now too clever to survive without wisdom. But I think there also is a huge potential for spiritual awakening. There's an old Chinese proverb, which I think applies to our time, rather light a candle than curse the darkness. A question that is more and more on people's lips is, are we living in the end times? And in my view, I believe we are in a version of the end times. I believe, based on my research, that the book of Revelation is the script that we are following at this moment. I have studied prophecy extensively from all traditions. 
And so the Hopi people, their prophecies are the same as the Maya prophecies, are the same as the Christian prophecies, the Buddhist prophecies. They said there's going to be a great awakening coming. They speak of this time that the earth is going out of balance now. Because the age is coming to an end. So we're getting ready to begin into a new cycle. So they speak in prophecy of visions that have been had about what can go wrong. We can see the waters of the ocean turn black. What's been happening in the last 20 years? Oil spills. Any people speak of the black snake, these pipelines, and them breaking also. And so they speak of this time where the cycle is coming to an end. Our world is going out of balance now because we are living in disharmony with the natural order of things. The greater cycle is coming to a quickening. How the future unfolds for us depends on how much human beings awaken to the divine. And also today we have a lot of the scientists are talking about the solar flares coming in. That we have the Carrington event happened late 1800s. In the past they discovered that there have been solar flares that hit the planet. No problem because we had no technology. But today we are dependent on technology or, or electrical grids. That would be a worst case scenario. In other words, the galaxy is pulsing waves of energy. The more energy comes from the sun, the more people get activated. This agitation, so much energy that people cannot assimilate it. We are not living in balance with it, so we are needing a divine intervention. We are needing a return of the Maitreya Buddha. We are needing a return of Jesus Christ. We are needing a return of Quetzalcoatl. We are needing a return of the sacred divine feminine. The return of the divine is coming, is already here. We have to have faith and know that they are here waiting for us to wake up and guiding us. We are destined for heaven on earth. As we awaken, those of the light are coming to help us. But we have to help ourselves first by doing the work. There's a woman named Dolores Cannon, her hypnosis subjects in the 80s, talking about this new earth and the volunteers, the three waves of volunteers who came in to bring in a frequency of love, forgiveness, and creativity, and solutions to problems. So the time of the Great Awakening is coming. Today, everybody says, what's my my mission? What's my purpose? What am I here for? It's to bring love and positive frequency no matter what you do. You don't have to do something important. The simplest things, all we got to do is be present as whole human beings, walk the Mother Earth, and as this time of split comes, choosing to go in the natural, sacred way. And so it doesn't mean our technology is bad, because it can be used in a good way. But we have to remember, with the spirit first, to awaken spiritually, use it for the spiritual. And so we are at a very great opportunity, as we have this chaos upon us now. The order is awakening within us when we turn away from attachment to the outer drama and begin to awaken the heaven on earth here now, heaven within me. The power of our faith creates miracles. And this is why we have to stick to the spiritual laws that actually work. The golden rule is the number one spiritual law. That what we put out is what we get back. You can call that karma. You can call it the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is quantum entanglement in a spiritual law. And for me, that is the path forward. Love with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself because we are ultimately all 
one. Your neighbor is yourself. So as you treat your neighbor, you are now setting up how you want to be treated yourself. So if you don't like how the world's treating you, change how you're treating the world. That's the ultimate spiritual message. And it was in Bulgaria that a sage called Peter Dunoff appeared. He described himself as the prophet of a culture of love. One of the main formulas is the disciple must have a heart as pure as a crystal, a mind as bright as the sun, a soul as vast as the universe, and a spirit as powerful as God and one with God. The destination may be God or enlightenment, but whatever I know about God is very much conditioned by my mind. But truth is not stuck in one language or in one culture or one nation. Wisdom, great insights are trans-religious, trans-cultural. Naturally, the labels vary, whether it's called God or Allah or Brahma or sometimes simply absolute or simply that, because it's difficult to label it. All the sages have said that they can't really describe its real nature, that the language is not sufficient. So gradually one begins to be a little less occupied with the destination, more concerned with the journey itself. Then one sometimes has one step forward, one step back, or one step sideways. But the search becomes interesting. We just have faith and trust that greater powers are at play. His representatives are here to guide us if we but listen to the silence of our inner knowing, the higher self. And that wisdom is like an ocean of bliss, of love, of light. Many mystics have encountered it. And so as we turn to the wisdom of the great teachers, we also can know that. Is love. And so it's through the power of grace that we are liberated. Beyond this appearance, beyond these gods, beyond phenomena, beyond to the great mystery God, I bow to thee. I'm in ecstasy. There is a very famous remark of the Buddha. Look within, you are the Buddha. Or in the Hindu tradition, especially from the Rig Veda to Upanishads, I am Brahma. Something deep down in me is identically the same as Brahma, the highest reality. Which is why the call is to look within rather than looking outside. Because we also need to remember this remark of Christ. My kingdom is not of this world. Every level of the universe is trying to evolve, to come back to the source. To return home. It's a little like a drop of water separated from the whole ocean of being. And then miraculously, occasionally there is this connection. And when it takes place, it's not going to be my decision. It has to be from the other side. Which is very important to understand. I need to become more and more receptive for this ocean to take over. But I cannot demand this to take place. I can be receptive, welcoming, inviting. In my judgment, that's the whole meaning of prayer. I can welcome God to take over. At a certain point, 
And this applies in our all of our spiritual paths. There's a moment to surrender to the process. So to listen and be silent is to make yourself receptive so that teachings can come in. People get this sense of experience of being not separate, of being one. They are the one expressing itself through the many or through the individual. It was gnosis. Entering that vast consciousness and laughing when you realize that you are the spirits, the mountain, everything. We know it like we've always known it. We remember it. What is the great spiritual mystery? What am I? Why have I been created? And any answer to that always remains a great mystery. We had a very famous poet in India, Rabindranath Tagore. So Rabindranath Tagore wrote a poem just 13 days before his death. This is his poem. In the beginning of my life, with the first rays of the rising sun, I asked, who am I? Now, at the end of my life, with the last rays of the setting sun, I ask, who am I? The Maya essay, in la kish, a la kin, a la. I am another yourself. We are one as the light of the sun. <laughs> you are it. really well done Mm. I'm just going to read a little paragraph from our sister grandmother Chandra today Mm. you are and you can get this this one Rama Mm -hmm. okay you are building a new kingdom God's kingdom on Gaia each of you is moving very quickly to get your part ready so that the entire creation of this kingdom will go along with Gaia's plan of living and co-creating in the fifth dimension. Each of you is playing a part. Some are building the windows. Others are building the roof. Others the furniture, the steps, the flowers, etc. Each of you is very, very busy. All together, you are almost done. Whatever you are building is coming into multidimensional reality now. It has started to show up in various ways. 
you may start to experience being in this new multidimensional life more. You are building the life bigger and bigger and more and more present. Hugs and love to all of you. Grandma. Grandma Chandra. Okay, now here's... This is the gang again. Greg Braden, Teresa, Dr. Teresa Bullard, William Henry, Robert Grant, Nassim Harameen. I like the way they got themselves all together, everybody. Billy Carson, Kimba Arem, Dr. Robert Gilbert, Dr. Jeffrey D. Thompson, John Beaulieu, Beaulieu, Jonathan Goldman, Dr. Constantine Korotkov, Jeff Volk, Vilana Marcus, and video language is English. It's in the video language of English. Yes, it's English here. What secrets of sound and resonance have you lost to history? Exploring the materials used in megaliths, as well as misunderstood hieroglyphs, hieroglyphs, such as the Egyptian Ankh, and figures like Thos, Hermes, or Moses of the Old Testament of the Bible. Experts and researchers reveal evidence of megalithic sites illuminating lost links between energetic nodes of planet Earth. Okay, let's do this, Rama. Mm -hmm. 26 minutes, everybody. Which then creates a resonant frequency inside of the king's chamber. 
And some people have experienced out-of-body experiences, almost like an astral projection, if they lay inside that stone box when that gong is hit. For the past 150 years or so, archaeologists have been noting that the pyramid appears to be some kind of a giant musical instrument. And they start to look at the materials of the construction of the pyramid, notably the king's chamber, which is composed of red granite. The ancient Egyptians referred to red granite as a firestone. It's mostly pure quartz, and quartz crystal, we know, holds frequency or vibration. If someone was chanting inside the chamber, and then all that reverberation was coming um, back from the chamber, it would take them into an altered state very quickly. These were used as initiation chambers or healing chambers. They were working with sound. It's at about 16.2 hertz, which ironically is an octave above the resonant frequency of planet Earth itself, which is about 8.1 hertz. So the Schumann resonant frequency of the Earth and the King's chamber are directly linked together by frequency and sound. The traditional theory is that the pyramid was a tomb for the pharaoh Khufu. What we might possibly be looking at is an acoustic artifact. And it's not the only one. In some of the Egyptian temples, you see the obelisk. I remember one time at Karnak, there were two of them actually, and they kind of were along the entrance to the temple, and one of them had been toppled over. Some of them were tumbled in modern time as we tried to move them and take them out of Egypt to bring them to France and to England and so on. They're beautiful, they're extremely precise. If you knocked on the top of it, you could tell that it was hollow and it was a resonant chamber. You don't need to hit it that hard and the whole thing rings like a tuning fork. Is it possible that these ruins outline a global energetic grid? These things were like antennas at the entrance of the temple, supplying the temple with very fundamental frequencies of oscillation that maybe were part of a network of temple that was supplied by a power station that might have been the pyramidal structures that was ringing the whole limestone plate that they were all sitting on and transmitting information or energy across very, very large distances. You find this throughout the ancient world. Identification of the power spots, build the buildings on it to amplify and direct the energy, and then make pathways to circulate that sacred power spot energy to help to nourish all of the energy of the landscape around it. There are energetic lines that form grid patterns all over the face of the earth. They have been extensively studied and give various names, such as ley lines, geopathic stress lines, Banker, Hartman, Curry lines, and so on. Many of them seem to be linear high pressure concentrations of ultra low frequency sound. 
Is it possible the energy flowed in a similar way to a cymatic experiment? Using vibration to organize materia into some kind of global pattern or circuit board? Or maybe there's a musical connection. These are very much like resonance cavities in relationship with each other in various octaves for overtones, undertone relationship to produce a very specific resonance field across very large distances, maybe even across the world from each other. They had an ancient quote-unquote web, so to speak, that existed in ancient times. As a matter of fact, when you go into the Temple of Horus in Egypt, there's a depiction of something that's really amazing. It's the Wi-Fi symbol emanating a frequency out of an Egyptian person's hand showing that they had the capability of understanding frequencies through wireless technology. They knew that their cymatics worked in two ways. One way to manipulate solid matter and the other way to manipulate the unseen and also send information wirelessly. If we read the clues on the hieroglyphs and temple walls, a deeper understanding of these resonant technologies is revealed. In ancient Egypt, one of the fundamental symbols is the Ankh or the key of life. Fundamentally, it's the origin of the Christian cross. It's a symbol of duality. It unifies male and female. You've got the phallic upward, and then you've got the loop on top that represents the female. Is the key of life literally a key tone or vibration? I think it's possible that it is. There are many types of objects from ancient Egypt that send out very powerful energetic emanations. One that many people are aware of today is that of the Egyptian staff. Most people know it actually from the Old Testament and Moses using the staff, but it's very clear in all of these ancient documents that he was trained in the Egyptian temples and he was using the staff in the way that it was trained in the Egyptian temples to be able to move energy. That has to do with the manipulation of natural forces, including the parting of the waters, parting of the Red Sea, these types of things. Thoth, also referred to by the Greeks as Hermes, was often depicted holding the symbolic caduceus staff. The caduceus is interesting because it does have these intertwining snakes. Everywhere where they intertwine, it's another representation of the seven chakras of the human body, which, according to the ancient Hindus, resonate at specific frequencies. Each chakra has its own frequency, its own resonance. There are many, many different forms of staffs, and the shapes on them would create different vibrational effects. You can move your hand along the staff and find a particular link that was like a wavelength that was from the base of the staff toward the top. And like you're tuning a musical string, you could find a particular resonant frequency point to be able to project or to absorb energy from the staff. Sound has been the ultimate tool that humans have been using in every culture on Earth since the beginning to be faster and deeper and more profound. It's the promise of sound, why sound has always been used.
cymbals. Ancient cultures used equinoxes, solstices, new and full moons, and so on, in ceremonial ways, to align terrestrial life with the harmonious rhythms of the cosmos. They did this to amplify their spiritual evolution, which they felt to be the underlying purpose for life on Earth. Research has found that almost every ancient culture on Earth seems to have benefited from vibration-based technologies. At Chichen Itza, we find two temple complexes together that reveal a quite phenomenal understanding by the ancient Mayans in terms of acoustic effects. The pyramid of Kukulkan is devoted to the god Kukulkan, who's called Quetzalcoatl or the feathered serpent. The priest would stand at the base of the stairway of the pyramid of Kukulkan and clap his hands. And the clapping would bounce off the steps and give a chirping sound strikingly similar to that of the Quetzal bird. And then at the same time that you clap, you hear the rattle of the snake coming off the warrior temple. They understood frequency and vibration so well that they had the capability of building an entire complex based on that. What was the purpose of these sound effects? The serpent symbolizes the earth and the bird symbolizes the heavens. Represents the duality that's within all of us. We're all part heavenly, part earthly creatures, and the idea is that we want to harmonize those aspects within ourselves. European ancestors focused on a different aspect of vibrational technologies. Stonehenge is another sound-related monument. Anyone who's been there, especially on a windy day, has heard Stonehenge literally hum as the wind passes over the the Silbury Plain. We know that many of the blue stones that compose Stonehenge ring like a bell when they're struck. It's commonly believed that the blue stones were quarried 200 miles away in southwest Wales and somehow hauled to the Stonehenge site in Salisbury Plain, England. Researchers at Harvard University attempted to complete a genetic study to find descendants of Stonehenge. What they discovered through this genetic study is that within a few hundred years after building Stonehenge, the builders of Stonehenge vanished. They're not in England. They're not in Scotland. They're not in Ireland. And this dropped a bombshell in the archaeological community. So where did they go? Well, if we go back to the ancient legends that says Stonehenge was built by giants as a portal, then 
you have to put two and two together and at least ask the question, did they build Stonehenge as some kind of an acoustic-based portal? The Maya population is known to have vanished. We also know that they had advanced acoustical knowledge. There are other cultures. The Woodlands people in Nashville practiced acoustic spiritual practices, chanting and others. They disappeared in mass around 1350. Fast forward a number of centuries, and we discover other amazing acoustical relics with mystical purposes. The Hypogeum in Malta is one of the world's oldest underground temples. As many as 7,000 bodies were placed inside this cemetery, so that gives you an idea of the size of this place. It was cut out of the limestone, and it had these kind of alveoli branching off and these other circular-shaped rooms. What we're told is that when you're standing inside this dome-shaped room in the Hypogeum is that it felt like it rang like a bell. And a voice inside that room was amplified over 100 times. What would be the purpose of that? Well, one thing that we know is that the resonant frequency of that room is 110 hertz. And at 110 hertz, we know that our left brain shuts down and our right brain tends to become more dominant. So it appears that this phenomena was created in order to have an otherworldly effect. People could be gathered in that room and have their right brain expanded for the purpose of connecting with otherworldly beings, perhaps even deceased beings or other beings throughout the cosmos. A number of secret societies throughout the centuries wanted to harness the ancient technologies for their own uses. Perhaps to expand their own consciousness or to discover a deeper hidden connection to the cosmos. When the Knights Templar returned from their excavations at the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem, they returned to France with some kind of new knowledge that most certainly had to do with geometry, but also had to do with sound. The cathedrals are giant wind instruments. They are meant to be activated by the power of the chanting that is going on within, especially the Gregorian chants that were chanted in those buildings, and also the pipe organs. As this building begins to vibrate with this sound, in a Christian sense, it's bringing you closer to God. But it's also undoubtedly having the effect of expanding our consciousness. While the cathedrals aren't viewed as portals or gateways, it's also possible, however, that secretly they could have been used for that purpose. In Christian art, you'll see ascension images of Jesus. He'll be sitting on a throne, which is the Ark of the Covenant, but he's surrounded by concentric rings that clearly indicate the idea of a portal or a gateway. It could be that that is a portal or it could also equally be a sound or a vibration that he has harnessed that is opening that portal or gateway. Another piece of this primordial puzzle 
involves mathematical calculations. They went to Mexico to Teotihuacan. The Teotihuacan Plateau is very similar in its configuration to the Giza Plateau. I noticed that the number 72 was built all throughout the construction of Teotihuacan. In fact, the entire Avenue of the Dead was 432 meters. Another thing I noticed was that the height of the Pyramid of the Sun was 216 feet, which is half of 432, just an octave lower. Now, another thing that we find that is irrevocably tied to 432 is that if we inscribe the Great Pyramid within a sphere, it would become a sphere that would be a replica at scale of 1 to 43,200. I can't believe that that's going to be any kind of coincidence. The Sun, Saturn, Moon, and the Earth all exhibit ratios of the number 432. Many ancient megalithic sites, including Avery and Stonehenge, yield the number 432 in their geometries and alignments. a sarcophagus that some say will produce the tone 432 hertz when it's struck. Again, we find a thread of musical connection. systems in the Western tradition tend to be tuned to a standardized A equals 440 hertz that we settled on maybe just, you know, 100 years ago. It just was decided upon by council, but there were other systems. Tuning that dates all the way back to Pythagoras, and perhaps earlier, is associated with 432 hertz. In Pythagorean tuning, the relative ratio of one note to the next note followed the golden mean. It was the golden ratio. Now our standard tuning is just slightly different from the Pythagorean tuning, but the Pythagorean tuning is more natural to our voice. It's more natural to our ears to hear and tune an instrument to. Let's take a listen to our modern versus ancient tuning practices to detect the difference between 440 hertz and 432 hertz. to music 
that is not summing to the number nine because this is creating a very subtle incoherency. I fundamentally believe that geometry is the fundamental coherence of consciousness. So therefore, music should also be coherent to that geometry. We've also seen an evolution in our numerical systems. Many countries around the world rely on a decimal or base 10 numerical system. Perhaps because people learn to count using their 10 fingers. But the duodecimal system, or 12-based math, offers greater mathematical coherence. If I were actually starting a measurement system, I probably wouldn't start with a base 10 system. It's inferior for many reasons. Number one, the number of its factors or divisors, the numbers that it can be divided you know, into whole number values into, is half the number of numerical representation for a base 12 system. And a base 60 number is very, very superior from this standpoint because we can even express one third of 60 as 20. We don't need a fraction of 0.3333333 extending on infinitely. The Sumerians, I believe, figured this out where they learned how to count based on the number of knuckles in their fingers. So it was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And then they would use this hand to count each group of 12. So 12, 24, 36, 48, 60. I fundamentally believe that the Sumerians, or whoever it was that gave this knowledge to the Sumerians, or some predecessor civilization here on Earth, or possibly beyond, embedded within that knowledge very profound wisdom that we can all benefit from today. Could it be that human civilization once benefited from a powerful source of intelligence, then lost it, but may once again possess it for the good of humanity? Can we restore the ancient power grids around the world and within ourselves? Every person has a particular net grid matrix of energy. One of the great secrets of the ancient traditions is to know what types of vibrational qualities to apply to the energy field or to specific energy centers to be able to ripen them like a plant growing from a seed. Because these energy centers in the human body are like unripened seeds and applying the correct vibration to them is like applying water and sunlight. Like a lotus flower, human beings can then blossom, bringing a change of consciousness both within and outside themselves. As we learn this, it's going to enable us ultimately to develop technologies based on this acoustic science perhaps free energy devices, perhaps even we'll be able to use the pyramid for its original purpose, which according to the ancient Egyptians, the Great Pyramid itself was a portal or a gateway to the stars. Coming up next on Sound of Creation, there is a saying in Sanskrit, 
that frequency is the mother of nature and rhythm is its father. Let's explore the ebb and flow of tides, moon phases, the changes of seasons, and all of the great rhythms that reflect the harmony and the mystery of the cosmos. Okay, Rama, which one are you going to do next? Beyond. Beyond, everybody. Beyond the beyond. Beyond the beyond the beyond. Gate, gate, pare, gate, pare, sangate. Sound of creation, sonic meditation. Dr. Jeffrey D. Thompson shares a brainwave entrainment by neural beat designed to slow your brainwave pulses down to one every 10 seconds, which can help us achieve theta wave states, the dominant frequency for healing. Each meditation includes an accompanying accompanying visual of the Sri Yantra, which can be used as an anchor of focus. Considered the world's premier sound healing researcher and brainwave entrainment expert, Dr. Thompson is the founder and director of the Center for Neuroacoustic Research and a contributor to the Gaia original series, Sound of Creation. Here we go. Mm. This one is 30 minutes. Wow. Wonderful stuff, everybody. Mm. It's 11.22, everybody here. Mm. Wow. Beautiful creation of the music world. Um, we're going to take a little trip here with our uh, Leonardo da Vinci. It's called Decrypting Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man. Did Leonardo da Vinci encode <clears throat> esoteric secrets? within his legendary works of art. Polymath and entrepreneur Robert Edward Grant explores the encrypted mirror scripts of Da Vinci and the proportions of his Vitruvian man in relation to the physics of the Great Pyramid of Giza. Examining how ancient Greeks believed that drawing the geometry of squaring the circle, in quote, squaring the circle, represented human transformation. Grant explores how this elusive process reflects the ultimate 
evolution of human consciousness. Okay. Mm. This is 24 minutes. 24 minutes. Mm. I'm enjoying all the sound healing process tonight. Thank you. I hope this has been <laughs> Okay, here we go. Uh... I'm Robert Grant, and this is the Codex. As a prodigious entrepreneur, Robert Grant is a modern-day polymath who has seamlessly integrated his innovations across mathematics, sciences, and the arts by transforming them into balanced creations designed to benefit humankind. Grant utilizes alternative base number systems, like the base 12 or the geodecimal system when formulating his groundbreaking equations. Equally significant, Robert Grant has a profound intuitive connection to Leonardo da Vinci. Grant has successfully decoded some of da Vinci's greatest secrets embedded within his most celebrated works of art. What esoteric meanings lie behind the precision and geometry of da Vinci's masterpieces? And how did Robert Grant come to decode them? What is the purpose of life? Why are we here? The history that we have been told and shown, how are they potentially different from our new reality? Is what we've been experiencing our whole lives actually leading and culminating to some bigger story? And how, if it is, could we ever find that? One of the people that I've looked to my entire life is Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci was born in 1452 in Italy, referred to as the greatest polymath of all time. He was clearly a genius mind who could span multiple different disciplines. And one of the things he's most famously noted for is that he was an incredible cryptographer. Of the 20 or so paintings that he left as masterpieces, most of them are still studied vigorously today for their hidden encryptions and have been the subject of film and other mainstream programming to basically show us all what da Vinci was trying to tell us. Probably his most enigmatic painting, of course, is the Mona Lisa. But the one that stands out as most recognizable to all humans today is the Vitruvian Man. And in it, Leonardo tried to answer this question of squaring the circle. Because this age-old mystery of squaring the circle somehow represented, even as far back as the ancient Greeks, some merger of consciousness. The feminine, represented by the circle, and the masculine, represented by the square. The concept of squaring the circle basically involves constructing a square with an equal surface area to a circle, or vice versa, using nothing more than a compass and straight edge. Leonardo da Vinci's drawing of a male figure, perfectly inscribed in a circle and square, the Vitruvian Man, illustrates what he believed to be a divine connection between the human form and the universe. It was believed by ancient Greeks for thousands of years 
that if we could successfully, without measurement, square a circle, then we would be able to achieve a balanced consciousness in a super conscious way. That somehow, the very act of drawing the geometry out to square the circle would lead to irrevocable changes within the human psyche. Leonardo left for us an ensign. He left for us an archetype of squaring of the circle. But if we look at it, we'll notice that he didn't actually square the circle. In fact, his square wasn't a perfect square. I started sketching in my notebook, The Vitruvian Man, because I wanted to get into the mind of Leonardo. And one of the things I first noticed was is that I thought, I need to measure the angle between the navel and the upper left corners of the square. Because what Leonardo had done is he placed the square in a very unique position where the base of the circle was tangent to the base of the square. And when you measure it, the square doesn't actually measure the same area value. It's far too small. Da Vinci worked on this, according to Walter Isaacson, a noted biographer who wrote a complete story of his life. According to Walter Isaacson, Leonardo da Vinci was the co-author of a book on geometry called Divina Proportione, or Divine Proportion, in which they broke down the golden ratio and its application to geometry through the visual arts of perspective and architecture, something da Vinci was a master at. So clearly he understood proportion, and yet the square turns out to be a different value than the circle in area. One of the things that Leonardo always did, and he did it also in The Vitruvian Man, is he always wrote in backwards mirrored text. In fact, when he doesn't write in backward mirrored text, we can assume that he did that for a reason. Though the exact reasoning behind Leonardo da Vinci's backwards writing may never be known, several researchers believe it was a way for him to hide his ideas from prying eyes of the Roman Catholic Church, whose teachings stood in opposition to many of da Vinci's observations and ideas. It would only make sense for him to encrypt his writings so as to protect himself from any possible persecution. What da Vinci was doing was showing us his cipher key to his encryptions. Because when da Vinci writes in the normal way forward, left to right without mirroring the text, he's actually telling us and giving us a hint that herein lies one of his famous encryptions. And as we look at the Vitruvian man, our deeper analysis shows us that he has hidden a lot more encryption. The iconic Vitruvian man, drawn circa 1490 by the great Leonardo da Vinci, is probably the most famous image of all time. And yet, for over five centuries, no one has noticed he encoded within it astounding knowledge of the Great Pyramid of Giza. I recently observed that the angle from the navel to the top corner of the square exactly matches the side slope angle of the pyramid. I asked cryptologist Alan Green to investigate da Vinci's masterpiece with the same mathematical rigor. What we found challenges our entire concept of what this enigmatic work of art is really about. It's widely known 
but the Great Pyramid embodies the ratio of the radiuses of the Earth and Moon. But Green realized that by inscribing a circle within Da Vinci Square and raising that circle so its center coincides with the center of the Vitruvian Man Circle at the navel, six perfect pyramid cross-sections are revealed, along with an exact geometrical match of the Earth-Moon pyramid relationship. Da Vinci states explicitly in the backwards mirrored text surrounding his image that its proportions are exact integer ratios of the whole man, and he has cut his man in 14 places, clearly identifying these proportions. In addition, he says, decrease the height of man by 114, a second veiled reference to the Horus I myth in which Set cuts Osiris's body into 14 parts. So Leonardo seems to have encrypted the Great Pyramid of Giza into the proportions of the square versus the circle. He had to deliberately make that square too small to match the area. But actually what it's doing is it's encrypting for us the slope angle of the Great Pyramid of Giza. According to the Rhind Papyrus, the second of the Great Pyramid, which is the unit of measurement used by the pyramid builders, was five palms and two fingers per cubit. This unit of measurement allowed for the slope of the face of the pyramid to be 14 over 11, which is the mathematical relationship of phi. Interestingly enough, the inverse slope of its edges is 9 over 10, which gives us the relationship of pi. When used in conjunction, these two advanced mathematical formulas provide a stability to the Great Pyramid that isn't found in the other bent pyramids of the region. And for those of you that study and have studied the Great Pyramid, Egyptologists alike, you'll notice that the most important number that determines the volume of the Great Pyramid on the entire Giza Plateau is 51.843 degrees. And here da Vinci encrypted it right into the upper corner with both hands pointing exactly to it, as if begging us to look further here. It became clear that da Vinci had intimately profound knowledge about the pyramid. But is there any proof that da Vinci ever visited Egypt? Well, it happens that he wrote a letter that showed up in the Codex Atlanticus, which is a compendium of many of his sketches. What we do also notice is that this forward-written letter that he left in the Codex Atlanticus, which is titled to the Devadar of the Lieutenant of the Sultan of Cairo, Babylon. And in this letter, he points out that he was working under an engagement for Sultan Kate Bey, a famous Mamluk Sultan to this day that is known as being a great philosopher king and being the creator of many archaeological monuments and buildings that still stand to this day in Cairo. Da Vinci references in his letter that he arrived in Cairo. Now, from 1482 until 1486, even Walter Isaacson doesn't know what happened to the historical record of Leonardo da Vinci. Some refer to this time period as the lost years of Leonardo's life. 
Leonardo da Vinci was considered one of the most famous people of his time. Most of his life was chronicled, except for a few lost years. Is it possible that the Codex Atlanticus points us to what he was doing during that undocumented period of time? And if so, what else might it reveal about what Leonardo da Vinci saw while in Egypt? But in this letter, da Vinci not only references arriving into Cairo, he also references the great Mount Taurus, chronicling his experience and review of that mountain in abject detail. This might actually be one of the reasons why art historians tend to believe that this is simply a fictional account because his description is so colorful that they believe that it must not be real. In fact, he goes into such abject detail about the mountain as well as his experience going inside of one of the chambers of that mountain that he ends up having the reader believe with the lack of knowledge that he's referencing something altogether different. But Bull Mountain and his reference to Mount Taurus is well known to Egyptologists because that is the name of the Great Pyramid, Bull Mountain, signified by two chevrons and a bull, which represents the Apis Bull. Originally called Bull Mountain or Mount Taurus, the Great Pyramid at Giza was associated with Apis or Hep, which was the chief bull deity of Egypt. He was later renamed the Apis Bull by the Greeks. In the chronicles about Mount Taurus or the Great Pyramid, Leonardo da Vinci wrote, The peaks of the Great Mount Taurus to the west. These peaks are of such a height that they seem to touch the sky. And in all of the world, there's no part of the earth higher than its summit. And the rays of the sun always fall upon its east side four hours before daytime. And being of the whitest stone, it shines resplendently to fulfill the function of these. Though Leonardo da Vinci's colorfully detailed accounts of his time in Cairo have been perceived as a work of fiction by some historians, it is clear his understanding of the Great Pyramid appears more factual once the esoteric meanings behind his accounts are revealed. But what else might we glean from his writings? The original name of the Giza Plateau was not Giza. The original name was Ross Tau, the Rose Cross. In Greek, the word Taurus also means bull. It would be spelled, if we wrote it out in English, T-A-U-R-O-S. But if we read it backwards, it would be read as Ross Tau. Da Vinci had encrypted in this letter esoteric understanding and wisdom that only one who had understood the connection to the Alpha, which is the reference to the bull, the letter A, could potentially mean and make the connection back to the Great Pyramid. That, along with the 5184-degree reference, points irrevocably to something more during his time of his lost years, spending that time in Egypt. Da Vinci is here referencing, in his encrypted form of this letter, his visitation and review 
It is personal observation of the pyramids of the Ross Tau Plateau. In addition, we also have to look more closely at Rosicrucianism. Ross Tau means Rose Cross. The Tau Cross, also a reference to the cross that Jesus was nailed to, shaped like the letter T. So the Great Pyramid has another perspective on it. And that is that each base side is between 755 and 756 feet, with slight variation at each one. But what we see is that, very interestingly, another reference to squaring of the circle is embedded within the proportional dimensions of the Great Pyramid. If we use the height of the Great Pyramid as a reference point to advise us of the radius of a circle, so when we look at this reference point and say that the radius of the circle would inform the height of the Great Pyramid of 481 feet or 280 cubits, and the side of its base would be 440 cubits or 756 feet, then what we find is that it informs exactly the proper squaring of the circle, where the perimeter value will match the circular circumference value. Now, there are two ways anciently to square the circle. One is to square it matching the area for the square and the area of the circle. This is the more prominent of the two methods of measurement. But what the Great Pyramid does is it goes and points us toward the second measurement, which is the perimeter of the square equaling the circumference of the circle. Speaking yet again to some relationship of this balance that the builders felt was necessary to communicate back to us in our day, thousands of years later, in a living manifest of stone, somehow to the importance of this understanding. What we also see is that the Great Pyramid, when we understand that it's embedded within the Vitruvian man, we start to find other encryptions deeply embedded within this image. Now, the magic. Da Vinci's lines reveal a perfect blueprint of the internal structure of the pyramid's chambers. Only the queen's chamber seems to be missing. But is it? Queen Isis, mourning the cutting of her husband's body into 14 parts, represents the 14 phases of the waning moon. Her reconstituting Osiris's body represents the 14 phases of the waxing moon. Da Vinci has precisely identified the presently known subterranean queen's and king's chambers, the ground level of the pyramid, its defining side angle, and its mathematical relationship to earth and moon centuries before these were supposedly known which begs the question, do his upper lines represent presently unknown chambers? Da Vinci seems to be telling us the Great Pyramid hides a deeper esoteric symbolism that has ever been suspected. A blueprint of man's unfolding spiritual journey through the sacred energy centers of the spine, known as the chakras. Perhaps finding these inner chambers in ourselves is our ultimate purpose. And the Great Pyramid, but a metaphor 
for the true measure of mankind. So Leonardo da Vinci left us a blueprint of the Great Pyramid embedded within this iconic image of the Vitruvian Man, where each line that is both horizontal and vertical, we have now only the conclusion to draw are actually encrypted, important locations of the Great Pyramid itself. Is it possible that these lines within Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man point not only to the chambers within the Great Pyramid, but to other chambers that we have yet to discover? In 2017, while Robert Brandt was in Egypt visiting the Great Pyramid, a Japanese delegation was there called the Scan Pyramid Project, using ground-penetrating radar and muon transfer technology to locate undiscovered voids within the great structure. The Japanese delegation had located a void space above the Grand Gallery that appears to lead exactly to the throat chakra line on the Vitruvian Man, indicating that where da Vinci has left us another horizontal line on the Vitruvian Man's body might be leading us exactly to the precise location of another chamber heretofore undiscovered. Additionally, there are other lines at the forehead, at the pineal gland, and at the crown chakra. And further, there are lines very deep on both knees, potentially pointing us to other chambers that we just don't know about yet. What is it that Leonardo is trying to point us towards? He further gave us another encryption in his backward marriage text, where he references 1 over 14, which of course is relational to the Osiris mythology, where Set cuts his body into 14 parts and does the same by separating out the body of the Vitruvian man in 14 different places. But very interestingly, and something we cannot miss, is that Leonardo is potentially pointing us to something that relates directly to the perfect squaring of the circle. Because if we are to place a 1 14th separation of the Vitruvian man down at the base of the circle and center the square over that circle, it will give us exactly the location of placement of a square proportionally that would give us precisely the same area value as the circle, thus fulfilling the ancient mystery that is believed to be impossible since 1882 to square the circle without any measurements whatsoever, using only a compass and a straight edge. I can't help but ask the question, maybe that the Great Pyramid is really a reflection of our own conscious progression. That as we ascend to understand more about our own selves and our own consciousness is expanding through each of our chakra centers, that maybe we'll understand more of the mysteries of this reflection that we call the Great Pyramid. Join me in this journey through time and this journey around the globe as we crack this mystery, left to us not only by Leonardo, 
but other Renaissance and ancient polymaths and philosophers who have been endlessly pointing us to the same conclusions. That the world is now on the brink of change as we enter a new age, an Aquarian Renaissance, that we'll be discovering and working on together throughout the course of this series. It may have an indelible impact on how you perceive your world around you. It might actually impact you to see the world in different terms and recognize that what we judge is what we attract until we no longer judge those things that we attract. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Codex. Oh my. I was just going to read something. It's, you might say, mundane in a sense. It's about Russia, Ukraine. It's a little background history. Um, I was going to read that right before we, uh, reread Caroline Oceana Ryan's, um, mm-hmm. writing for this, uh, Weekend, and um, this is a real key that um, the energy's there for is, you know, to declare peace rather than anything else going on, not mm-hmm. just there but on a global scale. So I'm going to read this. It's called Russia-Ukraine Crisis: What Is the Warsaw Pact? The Warsaw Pact, like NATO, was a military alliance of Soviet Union and the countries of Eastern Europe. On day three of the Russia-Ukraine crisis, this present one here, Kiev officials on Saturday have warned residents that street fighting is underway against Russian forces. They urged people to seek shelter to avoid going near windows or on balconies and to take precautions against being hit by debris or bullets. We have to remember they're not telling that Zelensky, as an asset of our CIA, was killing his own people. The Ukrainian military said a battle was underway underway near a military unit to the west of the city center. Kiev Mayor Vitaly Klitschka said new explosions shook the area near a major power plant that the Russians were trying to attack. The Warsaw Pact was created in reaction to the integration of West Germany into NATO in 1955, way back then, and represented a Soviet counterweight to NATO, composed of the Soviet Union and seven other Soviet satellite states in Central and Eastern Europe. In ten minutes, I want you to... Send a little note there. Okay. Um, 
So the Soviet Union and the United States were engaged in a Cold War after World War II. NATO currently recognizes Bosnia and Herzegovina, Georgia and Ukraine as aspiring members to NATO. All, although President Putin of Russia wants NATO to promise never to accept Ukraine. Ukraine wants to be a member of NATO, and as this were to happen, the United States will have access to the Russian border that President Putin would never want. I'll say never, say never. This can be worked out. Uh, we have to hold ourselves as empire accountable. That's the deal. The Warsaw Treaty Organization, commonly known as the Warsaw Pact, was a collective defense treaty signed in Warsaw, Poland, between the Soviet Union and seven other Eastern Bloc socialist republics of Central and Eastern Europe in May of 1955 during that Cold War. As the Soviet Union disintegrated in 1991, NATO promised Russia that as it terminates the Warsaw Pact, NATO at any time in the future will not include those countries of Eastern Europe in its military organization, which were previously part of the Soviet Union. The Warsaw Pact, like NATO, was a military alliance of the Soviet Union and the countries of Eastern Europe. Russia ended this pact after the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 91, in the hope that NATO would also fulfill its promise. Yet, as we know, NATO did not fulfill its promise. Rather, it included countries such as Estonia, Latvia, Poland, and Romania as a member of NATO, which were once part of the Soviet Union under the Warsaw Pact. So, arrogant empire did it again. So, I'll just read this one little piece from His Holiness the Dalai Lama. This is from yesterday. Warm-heartedness is not blind when it is combined with intelligence. We view behavior as harsh or gentle, largely on the basis of appearances. But the real distinction depends on the motivation with which it is done. And we have been insincere so many times. Promises, promises. And then use might over right whenever things are inconvenient. So we are going to now, uh, this is our sister Caroline and the collective here, a message to light bringers. April 29th, 2022. This message 
was originally channeled on the April 12, 2022 Ashtar Legacy Call. Greetings, dear ones. We are very pleased to have this time to speak with you again today. This is a very powerful day, April 12th. As many of you know, with Jupiter and Neptune in conjunction in Pisces, as you are now in the time of Pisces, it's easy to feel sometimes, sometimes, that the incredible energies pouring in are just a bit tiring and that you would, you just wish all the change would stop. All the ongoing shifts. You would love for things to get simpler. This very understandable. This is very understandable. Because you've all basically been through it at this point. You've been feeling so much change occurring and you yourselves have been enacting so much change on the planet that you may wonder how much more is required for Nasara for the fifth dimension to finally be burst for those who are willing to ascend you are wondering how much more is required Because, rather than things getting better on the planet, things appear to be getting worse. How many times have we heard things have to get worse before they get better? I just said this in the last little astrology. So, and so. You carry the heaviness of that burden, of feeling. We have already been through a lot on this planet. We have had hundreds and hundreds of lives, so many of us, that have been very difficult, very trying. We looked forward to this time as being one of ascension. Then what happens? But we're again being plagued with so much that is frustrating. So much that only brings up old trauma and sadness. That only makes us, in all of our light bringer empathy and compassion, angrier and feeling more isolated. And some days, even a bit hopeless, because it looks as though this world is on fire. Am I only meant to be the firefighter? Can't I be the one who celebrates? And so, all of this upset, all of this feeling of, quote, I don't know what way to turn anymore. This is getting ridiculous. Why aren't things getting better? All of this builds up into a tumult inside of you. And so we thought to bring out this beautiful little song called Sing. So joyful 
It's got a bouncy, easygoing rhythm to it. One of the songwriters is the gentleman who is singing along with his backup singers. John Baptista is his name. He won a Grammy. You probably heard Album of the Year for the album We Are. And this song is on it. He's a powerful spiritual presence, even though he speaks from within the structure of a very dark industry, which is the popular music, popular music industry and with from within mainstream television. Yeah, if you want to change, change it from within. So bless your heart for winning the Grammy, John Batista. These are two areas where the old powers that were have set their footprint quite deeply and are desperate to exert whatever influence still remains to them. For one, to bring people's energies down. For another, to tell them they won't, there won't be any ascension, which of course is enough to make one chuckle. And for another, just to keep you quiet, to keep you doing as you are told. None of that is working. This gentleman's music, John Batista's work, is emblematic of the light that is pouring forth and the higher solitude solutions that are coming forward. And so he admits their moment. He and his fellow songwriters, the light and the divine solutions pouring in now, just as he is, quote, on the verge of crying, and, quote, doesn't feel like trying. Instead, he says, I'll sing. But instead, I'll sing. So here are the lyrics. When I'm done with worries and no one's around me, don't you know, I'll sing. Oh, I love to sing. When I can't find the words and everything starts to hurt, I'm done with this heavy heart. I let all my burdens off and I sing. When I'm cold and tired and so uninspired, don't you know, I'll sing. Yeah, let it out and sing. When I'm down and I feel like giving up, even the easy things feel rough. Don't you know, I'll sing. Don't you know, I'll sing. When I feel down and out, up under a heavy cloud, when I don't want to talk, I lay my burdens off. I sing. Let it out and sing. So that's, that's the end of that song. <laughs> Um, so 
We have spoken before about how joy is probably the greatest act of defiance that you could take part in at this time. It's probably the biggest act of rebellion. And this gentleman, Mr. Batista, has recently married his beloved of the past eight years, just as she has been again diagnosed with leukemia. He was being interviewed recently, and the interviewer wanted to know if the marriage was an act of faith or an act of love or what have you. And Batista answered, yes, and then added, it's an act of defiance. How perfect, how brilliant to see the joyful celebration of a wedding and the joyful celebration of anything you can name. Could be eating an apple. Could be taking a brisk, happy walk down the street or smiling at a stranger. How perfect. How perfect to use that as your way to ground joy into the planet. Perfect rebellion. It's the perfect, seemingly nonsensical response. It's not the trained Pavlovian response that all of you have been programmed in. You're supposed to be watching television all the time or glued to the internet and taking in one bit of bad advice and uninteresting trivia after another and desperately annoying, difficult news and traumatic images. You're supposed to be absorbing all of that every single minute. You're supposed to be fearful about, well, pick one, the economy, the environment, depopulation, the health of the masses. You're supposed to be horrified right now. And what's probably one of the more confusing and bizarre things about your day is that instead of being upset, you find great reason to celebrate. You find great reason to be cheerful. That's because you are more powerfully wedded and integrated with the incredible light. This plasma, this pure, sacred, divine energy coming onto the planet, making itself at home in your very cellular structure, that you are to the energetic pitfalls than you are to the energetic pitfalls that lay by the, that laid by the powers that were. None of that happens by accident, dear ones. You have planned it this way. Yes, even in the midst of what could and would most, and what most would call absolute madness, you planned to be here, absorbing light as if there were no red lights flashing all around you. You planned to be here, holding and reflecting that light in the most joyful ways, reveling in whatever spring 
you can find under the floodwaters or the snow or the sudden heat than the sudden cold. Whatever it is, paying taxes once again, even though you know this is a foul and corrupt system. Going through the world work day and realizing actually my work is purely energetic. This job is something I do with my day as I wear my everyday costume as an earth being when in fact I know I belong to the stars. <laughs> And I don't take the outer life so seriously, too seriously. I don't take the bills too seriously. I just take care of things as I need. I don't take other people's opinions and ideas too seriously. Heaven forbid they should take me too seriously. Everything just flows because everything that the glow has the glow of the sacred about it now as if this planet were in some beautiful angel's hands then one day you woke up and you realize maybe all of us are that angel maybe all of my light worker friends and I maybe were the ones holding the planet up and the first thing you've ever heard about angels is that they sing beautifully so we want to share this lovely little tune with you which doesn't seem to be terribly important doesn't seem to hold a lot of weight it doesn't announce itself as a powerful anthem it's not orchestral it's not something you're going to plunk down a hundred dollars for but it is very, very powerful. Because these dear ones are reminding us on this song, you're not here to react to appearance. You're not here to remember who you, excuse me, you are here to remember who you are and to relate to the higher realms. And where are those higher realms? They're exactly right here, right where you are. Even as your eyes don't always physically take them in, your whole spirit body is constantly interacting with higher beings, with your beloved twin flame, then your soul family, with the power and the beauty of nature. No one you love is far away even as they were once in a physical body. And they are gone now, physically. They're not at all far away, because the beauty and power of the higher realms is right here. What does that mean? It means your higher self is constantly with you. It means the power of your soul is constantly with you. And just develop a little motion if you want, so that you don't even have to use words. Just a little wave of the hand, such as you do when you're waving someone over to talk to you. Just get into that habit. Whenever you want your soul 
to shine more power into you. Whenever you want your higher self to step in and take over, come up with some little signal so you don't even have to think a special prayer. That one symbolic gesture does it all. Some people will put their hand on their heart. Some people will open their hands and hold them, palms up. All you have to feel in that moment, whether you think the words or not, is just feel. Yes, I'm open to higher light. I'm open to higher direction. It's a little difficult what I'm going through right now, whether that's a mental, emotional, or physical challenge, or all of that. A little bit of a rougher ride than I was planning on consciously. Some more light, more assistance, please. Because in those moments, and give me an outlet, show me what is my beautiful creative outlet. If it's not singing, then what is it? Because in those moments, dear ones, when you're drawing or painting or singing or dancing or practicing yoga, or talking to your lovely little cat or dog, or reading a book to a child. In that moment, you're releasing pent-up energy that can't be released otherwise. Words simply aren't going to do it. This is why many people have found talk therapy to be helpful on some levels, but not quite so helpful on other levels because it doesn't answer to everything. It can help tremendously, but there's a lot that just has to come, come out straight from the heart and in a symbolic manner. Are you willing to give yourself that, dear ones? And are you willing to nest a bit more, rest a bit more, excuse me, To relax a bit more, not fill every day with movement or fill every moment with responsibility where you're constantly playing a role or constantly on your off moments seeking distraction. These kitties are just doing whatever. That's what they're doing. Running around. Are you willing to give yourself even 10 minutes under that Bodhi tree, swearing you won't get up until you understand what's happening as the Buddha did. You will be surprised. You will be shocked to see how much the universe comes toward you in those moments, dear ones. So let's call in all the higher selves of everyone listening to or reading this. Calling the higher selves forward. Greetings, dear ones. We're asking them to please lend their insight on what is most helpful for all of you now. Beautiful. What they're offering is in the moment when things get difficult. You've seen something dreadful in the news, even though you're trying to avoid the news. Understandably, 
as it brings one's energy down. Or perhaps someone you love or someone who you work with is being particularly difficult. Or there's just some situation that doesn't seem like it wants to budge. Even though you feel it should. You're going to just look at that. You're not going to take on the energy of it. And you're going to respond with, even though I do consider this to have some real density, or however you want to put it, even though this feels hard for me, I am still a God. Or for women, I'm still a goddess. And I declare my power in this situation now. How would that be, dear ones? If even a million people around the world, not 10 million, not 100 million, just 1 million people, started to recall their power from whatever it is they feel had disempowered them. Yes, the world would shift overnight. Yes. You don't have to wait for that moment. Offer yourself this now. Say it right now. Think of an issue. Yes, this is hard for me. This one has me stumped. I'm not sure the way forward. I'm still a goddess. I'm still a god. And I reclaim my power from this situation now. Wonderful. Absolutely beautiful. We are so honored to be amongst you, dear ones. And so we give thanks. And we send, as always, so much love and more support than you will be immediately aware of in these days. So when so much is being asked of you, yes, it is there. Though unseen or unfelt, it is there. And so we send much love. Remember that you are never alone. Namaste. And I'm going to leave the last word to our rainbird here. And this talking stick's got the angels and the fairies and the feathers and the rainbows and the crystals and the menahunis and the hobbits and the elves and the sylphs and the salamanders. Here it comes. It's coming right now. With that yeah, emerald feather one. Here it comes. There you go. There it goes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What an amazing day. And it was just so much music and so much sound and so oh, awesome and felt good. It just felt good. <laughs> it surely did. It did, sister. Yeah, we really did a, a bang-up job of celebrating Bill Payne. <laughs> Amen, sister. Every day. Beltate every day. Okay. (laughs) That's right. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Anyway, lovely, beautiful, awesome day. So thank you so much. And I'll pass this talking stick over to you, Mama. See if you can remember that Mayday song. (laughs) Tell us what you got there, Rom. This is... Thank you, Rainbird. Thank you. Thank you. 
This is Alan Watts, Awakening to Life. Okay. As after all, isn't it odd that anything exists? It's most peculiar. It requires effort. It requires energy. And it would be so much easier for there to have been nothing at all. Therefore, we think, well, since being, since the is side of things is so much effort, you always give up after a while and you sink back into death. But death is just the other face of energy. And it's the rest, the not being anything around, that produces something around, just in the same way that you can't have solid without space or space without solid. When you wake up to this, that you are really a playing of this one energy and there is nothing else but that, that it is you, you become full energy. And you suddenly see through the whole sham of things. You realize you, you are that. We won't put a name on it. You are that. And you can't be anything else. But according to Buddhist philosophy, all this universe is one that means 10,000 functions or 10,000 things, one suchness. And we're all one suchness. It's rather the same situation that you get between the speaker in a radio and all the various sounds which it produces. On the speaker you hear human voices, you hear every kind of musical instrument, honkings of horns, the sound of traffic, the explosion of guns. And yet all that tremendous variety of sounds are the vibrations of one diaphragm. But it never says so. The announcer doesn't come on first thing in the morning and say, ladies and gentlemen, all the sounds that you will hear subsequently during the day will be the vibrations of this diaphragm. So don't take them for real. And the radio never mentions its own construction, you see? And in exactly the same way, you are never able really to examine, to make an object of your own mind, just as you can't look directly into your own eyes or bite your own teeth. Because you are that. And if you try to find it and make it something to possess, why that's a great lack of confidence. That shows you don't really know you're it. And if you're it, you don't need to make anything of it. There's nothing to look for. But the test is, do you know that? And the point is that the we come to an understanding of this, what I call suchness, only through being completely here. And no means are necessary to be completely here. Either active means on the one hand, nor passive means on the other. Because in both ways, you are trying to move away from the immediate now. But you see, it's difficult to understand language like that. And to understand what, is all, what all that is about. There is really one absolutely necessary uh, prerequisite. And this uh, 
is to stop thinking. Now, I am not saying this in the spirit of being an anti-intellectual, because I think a lot, talk a lot, write a lot of books. But you know, if you talk all the time, you'll never hear what anybody else has to say. And therefore, all you'll have to talk about is your own conversation. The same is true for people who think all the time. That means, when I use the word think, talking to yourself, sub-vocal conversation, the constant uh, chit-chat of symbols and images and talk and words inside your skull. Now, if you do that all the time, you'll find that you've nothing to think about except thinking. And just as you have to stop talking to hear what others have to say, you have to stop thinking to find out what life is about. Hey, what's up, you guys? So we're here. We're breathing. We're happy. We're living, right? We're present in this moment. Angels are real, everyone. And so are fairies. And all the rest of these realms. As Rama always says, there's nine realms. And even more. And even more. And so let's... Let's uh, explore. That's what. So we'll be exploring in our dreams here in a moment here. Much love, everyone, and peace in our hearts. And keep that whole area in Ukraine. And a few other places. Yemen, Palestine. This is got to be over. And yes, we can. Mm-hmm. Satnam. Satnam D. Om Takri Satsan. 13. Thank yous, honey in the heart, no evil. Live long and prosper and mahalo nui loa. Namaste. 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 